to episode 314 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. I've just walked into Jason's Pasadena Palace, and we were supposed to be working on Math Academy, but I made the mistake of showing him a few Nugget mock-ups, and now he will refuse to do anything unless we talk about it. <laughs> no, no, not exactly true. I said, look, I will either give you the silent treatment or we can record it, because I know what's going to happen is we're going to say a bunch of stuff, and we're going to be like, oh, that would have been perfect for the show. All right. Too bad we weren't recording. Well, so... One thing I was just thinking about. So I was like, you're like, you're like a little kid. You know, you're like, look what I made. You know, <laughs> like you can't. So what we, Justin came over to, um, we've been doing this <laughs> sort of weekend sessions where uh, he'll bring his son, Jack, and um, over to play with my, um, my girls. And then um, he and I can, uh, he's been helping me with the mocking up some of the um, new, some new stuff on the uh, Math Academy website. So anyway, of course, Justin wanted it. He said, oh, I got, I got to show you the nugget stuff first, which I'm fine with. But I'm like, okay, well, that that's gonna immediately generate conversation. So I I was just expecting you to just say yes, it looks good. I wasn't expecting you to say you acknowledgement. Well, because it's I wasn't like, expecting you to say, okay, I've got, I want to change, like, I've got strategic everything, directions. Everything that comes out of my mouth is usually is almost entirely spontaneous. Okay, and so I I feel like the, the best stuff. The, usually, their best conversations are things. That are not rehearsed. There are worse conversations when we are recounting a previous conversation yeah. we had, right. just for the benefit of the show. And we're like, it comes off as flat and kind of dull. All right. Well, I'll just say what what it is that I showed him. Um, so basically, um, with the 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 founders kind of go through it, and when they get to stage seven, which is basically the core of the validating the idea, that then they're going off and they're doing hardcore work. So what? The problem is, is that they then go dark. So every it, it's been great up until that point because you know every day they're checking in a lesson, they're moving forward, they're moving forward. But now they're going out and they're doing hustle, and we kind of lose them. They just go dark, and the only way to kind of keep in communication with them is by Slack, private slacking, and you know, are you okay? Is everything okay? But so um, one fix that we've realized for this is to basically create a kind of analytics self-reporting check-in system where they can basically check in exactly what they're doing. So if they if they if they've picked a seed growth strategy which you know of twitter or if they've picked a seed growth strategy of um uh i don't know paid advertising or something like that they can just check in every day you know what the stats are how much they've grown and then that reports back to the momentum tracker and then everyone can see they're growing and then out of that built is this kind of built this leaderboard so that when you kind of click on the academy now it shows the founders and it shows the logo of what they're working on and it shows the statistics of how much their project has grown, you know, how much revenue they've had, how much uh, Twitter followers they've got. And and that's basically a leaderboard. And so that's what I showed Jason and he had something to say about it. Okay. So, you know, first thing is that you had a, you had a list of your stages, stage one, stage two, and they have yeah. things to do. And you have a list of estimated minutes to completion, right? Right. Time completion. And a lot of them are like 45 minutes, 15 minutes. And then this one was, this stage was 300 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's like, and 300 is completely wrong. It I was mean, like, and then a miracle <laughs> happens, yeah. you know, and they get a bunch of users. It's sort of like, okay, I think that was sort of a red flag where that probably needs to be broken down into smaller steps if possible or like somehow like intermediate steps, something. Well, it, it kind of is broken into the smaller steps in the, in the preceding stage. So the preceding stage is basically pick a seed group strategy and then they've got like 10 different strategies that they go through. Mm -hmm. And so it's this, it's like once they get to this, it's then it's like, okay, now do that. 
You know what I mean? So basically one strategy is, you know, grow, uh, acquire customers by Twitter, you know, another like go, you know, and then tells you how to do that. Another one is by Facebook groups. Another one is by paid advertising. So this, this is just, I mean, you've got to have somewhere in the course, which is like, okay, now do stuff. I wonder if there's a way, I mean, I, you, you know, you're in the middle of a cohort now, but for the next cohort or sometime in the future that you could break it up so that it was more smaller iterations. Like, I feel like this is a little bit of a waterfall methodology. I mean, I know we have to go through stages, but yeah. if there could be more of like a, a series of smaller iterations, you know, you do something, try strategy, you, you do some, you know, some interactions, you come back and then those are stages, those smaller stages have feedback from mentors from you. Or so could it be like a loop? So basically you say, okay, start, try one strategy for a week, then come back, then talk about it, then try another strategy for a week and then come back and talk exactly, about it. Exactly. It, 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 so getting, because this is going to be a really, for most of the tech, any technical co-founder, any mar non-marketing or salesperson, this is going to be a hardest step. Yeah. They're not going to want to do it. They're not going to feel comfortable doing it. They're going to uh, procrastinate about it. They're going to half-ass it. And this is the part where they really need someone to hold their hand and walk them through it and say, it's okay, you're not going to die, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's no one's going to scream at you. It's just, you just have to go through this. And um, if you break it into smaller steps, it'll be a lot more of a comfortable pro a process, a confidence-building process. Um, I, I, think you'll, I think you'll have less uh, attrition at that point. Yeah, that's interesting. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I mean, this has been kind of like the 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 kind of black hole, you know, the problem child, and um, we just need to work out what those what well, those know, baby steps are. You know, you know, it's it's the same way when I teach when I teach math class. It's like, you know, I would have the kids do it in problems in class because do a problem, and then we will go over it together. Yeah, and then do another problem, and we will go instead of me just lecturing for an hour and then go do your homework. And they go do homework and they get lost or they confuse and something they don't know. It's just, it's way better to have this immediate tighter feedback loop, I think. That's interesting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As we do, we do have like a, 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 like a specific Slack private channel for that, but it's not like a schedule check-in time. So I think what we need is we need like a, some kind of schedule check-in and we need, this could be a great first, first use case for like, you know, like a hangout where you get everyone online on a hangout and you go through one person's case with yeah, everyone. With like everyone. a mastermind. Yeah, like a mastermind. And you record that and then show that to the rest of the group. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah sure. And um, yeah, like get your, yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. Um, are you, are you asking the check-in manually or are you emailing them to asking them to check in? That, well, I mean, I haven't built that yet, but that's on the roadmap. I think... I think, you know, something, kind of an email, kind of a little bit of a pester, you yeah. know, it says, hey, yeah. what, what's up, you know, it says two days, did you do, you know, like they have to know, because if you're, if you don't want to do something, you're going to per start procrastinating about it, and you're going to push it out of the front of your mind, yeah. and you're going to say, oh, I have these other things to do, and then as time goes by, it becomes less important to you, and it falls off, it's the same with working out, it's like when you're working out, yeah. you skip a day, it's, once you skip one day, it's easy to skip two. Once you skip two, you can skip a week. Once you skip a week, you're done. It's so you don't skip a day, right? That's that's the trick. Like you don't miss a workout because that's the beginning of the end. That's why when people are like trying to, you know, like friends be like, oh, just don't worry about your workout. Let's go do this. You'd be like, you don't understand. <laughs> like I skip a workout. I, like there's a there's a non-zero risk that I'll never, that I will completely fall off the train. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, it's probably it's the same with any kind of habit building process or, or something. So, um, yeah. So tighter feedback loop, immediate, proactive reaching out from and then like a daily email or every couple of days maybe even a daily email just to do a check-in and basically if they yeah if they don't do a check-in for a couple of days then some other like okay come on come back come back you know <laughs> yeah you you um so let's, th- let's think about this so if 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 there are too many emails then you start ignoring them yeah so you can't be there have to be they have to they have to be just the right level of frequency but also there has to be some other kind of carrot stick accountability like okay if you get it done if you get your if you get this step done this first iteration done by saturday then you can be part then you know a mentor will call you know we'll do something good will happen they get to participate in something right yeah, nice. there has yeah. to be something something that kind of gets them to do it i mean this reason why trainers are so such a powerful um service for people because you know everybody can get started and working out for three or four weeks it's, it's like sticking through it when you're tired you didn't sleep well you got a little bit of a cold you had a lot of work and then people just stop going the trainer it's like damn I, the trainer's like all right we got session tomorrow we got session wednesday and kind of like your go. ta session is that Ma- too? the math academy ta session right well that well the but, ta but sessions the are optional so i would say like there's two aspects of it the trainer has account uh, creates accountability the right. trainer's on your ass like we have a training session tomorrow. And like when you cancel on a trainer, if it's more than 20, if it's less than 24 hours, like you're still paying for it. And if it's less than 24 hours, you can still know they're taking money. Like they're depending on this as part of their income, right? So you can't keep jerking them around and you start feeling bad. So you're just mm-hmm. like, I don't really feel like going. I didn't sleep well. You know, I have a boo-boo, whatever. You can come up with a million reasons why you shouldn't go. You get your ass to the gym because you said you're going to go and whatever. But the TA session has another aspect of it, which trainers do too, is that they help you through something you're getting stuck on. You're stuck. Now, m- most often these people are probably less stuck from a technical aspect of how to do something or they don't understand something. They're stuck from a, uh, from a psychological perspective. Yeah. They're not comfortable doing something they don't, and so they come up with reasons why they're confused and don't want to do it. It's mostly because they just don't really <laughs> want to do it. There's There's different types of you know, social fears. And, and we all have them on different, different levels and different contexts, but I think that's your biggest thing. And so I think you need, um, you probably need to help them through that process, break into smaller steps, help them accountability. Da, da, da. Yeah. All right. Take it under advisement. I will, uh, <laughs> I will be listening back to this and, um, thinking about it at length. Well, it looks, but, it but looks this is the, you know, good. at least this will help as a first pass, you know, the, this profile stuff. Well, you know, um, I mean, that's the, 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 the great thing is that you launched, you have people going through it, you have people getting value out of this thing, and you're iterating. Like, the, the, the idea that, that the fir- your first iteration of this thing would be anywhere near ideal is, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's a fantasy of every entrepreneur, and it's never right. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes it fun, right? That's why, you know, it's like if you went to a movie, and it was over 10 minutes, it goes, oh, and they win. The battle, like you, like the journey of the startup, the, the the it's the story. It's like, hey, this is gonna be a process. It's gonna be fun. It's a lot of little problems, it's like playing a video game. Yeah, and the video game takes years to win, or many levels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm trying to kill two birds with one stone with this profile stuff. Like, first of all, I'm kind of melding the concept of this check-in during your validation, like so that you can do micro check-ins, like, oh, I've got another two more followers, and then that goes to the group to your private Slack channel. But also, the other part is. 
that then that then at the moment when you click on the academy icon the rocket icon you just kind of go to a sales page but what would be really cool and that's what this is going to do is you get the founders because we've got enough now there's 50 in there so you see the founders you see what project they're working on you see the statistics you see their growth and then you can click into an, and each one's got a card as you can see in that mock-up right there and then you click into the founder then then it shows your profile it shows you a little more detail like john paul is working on fire ci that's, that's huge and well, I it's like with these 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 um, fitness you know trainers website who have who are really successful on the web and they and they have all the people the before and afters. Yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, that guy was like 40 pounds of weight. Now he's ripped. Uh, yeah, I want some of that. It's kind of like automated testimonials. You know, like yeah. testimonials is a big deal, but if you've just got like you know I don't know a couple of hundred of them on there, then when people are signing up for the free ideas thing and they click on the academy and the first thing they see is just whoa. There's loads of founders who are being really successful. Well, and then you, you can then of course you can um, really uh, highlight the the super successful ones. Yeah. What's like with Y Combinator, right? Like hey, they have their huge successes like Airbnb and Dropbox and Stripe, yeah. right? And they have and, and and then they have other medium level ones mm -hmm. and the smaller ones. And it's like, you know, you don't go and start enumerating all these ones that, you know, it was a big deal for them. They probably learned a lot, and some of them they sold yeah. their company, and it was a you know a very positive experience for them. You know, and so you want to, it's nice to, for, I don't know if they do this to, to be able to look through and see them all. But of course, the ones you really want to think about are like the. the they do. Ones. Yeah. So, so they have like, um, Y Combinator have a page for each batch and I'm definitely heavily inspired by Y Combinator. So they, they have a page for You'd each. You'd be silly if you weren't, right? Like, right. Yeah, yeah. That's what you have to do. You're like, what, what's working in this context, in a similar context? And how can I, what well, can I learn? So what this can is I the, this right here is the founders, but what I didn't show you is the batches. So this is then the list of the batches. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how that's going to work. So you can go ahead and click on them, and then you have the overall leaderboard. Whoops. That's just everyone on the system, seeing how well they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that's it. I think that's really cool. You know, speaking of Y Combinator, I, I, I um, was listening to, um, I watched a video, an interview with Paul Graham. It yeah. was, I think it was Startup School or something. Okay. Yeah. Jeff Ralston, who's another YC, YC partner was uh, interviewing him and he said one thing that was just great. You, you were talking about when you should release your product. And what we often, the, 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 the sort of conventional wisdom that people say, which you know I think is a, is a good rule of thumb, which is if you're not embarrassed, you waited too long. Mm -hmm. you know, if you, and so, but the question is, it's hard to define what embarrassed means. <laughs> right, because every everybody can define. Everybody can say. Even everybody can. The, the more perfectionist you are, you're embarrassed over the thing that's not a world class product. Right? There's some part of you that goes, "Oh, I really wish we could have this feature." Right? So people just shade it to whatever fits what they want to do. Mm. I want to work on it six more months because I'll still be really embarrassed. You know, like that's. So what he said, it, it was in this context of of I guess they were launching a new. Um, part of YC where they would support uh, education companies or something. Yeah. And uh, Jeff was one leading it up and he went to uh, Paul and was like, so, and give an update. And Paul's like, well, when are you going to launch? He's like, well, probably like six weeks. And he's like, well, why don't you just launch now? <laughs> you know? And Jeff is just like other partners telling, you know, uh, you know, reminding founders, don't wait to launch, just launch now. And he's like, uh... Okay, so they launched like within a week, and of course that was turned out to be the best advice he could give. Yeah, and so what he said though, what Paul said was, you should launch as soon as you have a quantum of utility. Yeah. In other words, 
if there's one person out there who would find your product useful, launch it. Yes. One quantum heal, like, because that to most people are going to be like, seriously, like if there's anything that's useful, just launch that, you know, which is interesting. I mean, I, I think that's a great way to think about it. And that's, I keeps going through my head about launching, you know, um, math Academy. It's like, I, yeah, he, he said something else a, a tweet that I thought was really good. It was something like talking to customers is better than doing X. And that's all, whatever X could be, <laughs> talking to customers is better than that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It is the most important thing to do. It is so funny. You know, um, well, Math Academy doesn't have customers. We, we do have users, obviously. We have um, content developers. We have instructors. We have students. And now we have one remote student, um, which is sort of like a kid going through the bridge course, but um, not entirely because they don't have any TA classes. So they're... They're, she's completely on her own. So this is Clara. Clara um, was a student of mine uh, for two years. She was in my sixth grade and seventh grade class. And But her parents are both uh, scientists and, and, and got jobs at the NIH. She Maryland. was amazing at Solve. And she's on the video, isn't she? Yeah. 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 She, she was amazing. Um, and so I encouraged her to continue, you know, just working through our program remotely because you know, she's like, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I was like, well, I don't know. They're, the middle school level, there's not, they're not going to have anything for you. I mean, when you get to high school, you know, it's possible. You, even you can take an advanced calculus course. <laughs> you might be able to take something at a local, you know, community college. Anyway, um, so we worked it out so that she would uh, just be a, uh, be a part of the class, you know, at least on the system, and that she might try and Skype in. <laughs> um, now, the, the Skyping in in the class is kind of awkward and doesn't work so well, but what uh, the instructor said he will do is twice a week, he'll, for half hour, he'll, he has time in between classes, he'll just Skype with her and answer questions. And okay, great. Her, which I thought was yeah. really generous on his part because he, he didn't have to do that, but he said, ah, no problem. Anyway, so but she sent me a, a couple of emails back of just complaining about stuff. <laughs> like, really frustrated. Yeah, and I was like, that is very fair. Like, one of it was that so when we do an assignment, it just lists a bunch of topics and you can click and read the tutorials, but there's no like in the sidebar, like a structure that says, okay, it's this module and either top, this is the order of the topics. So you don't necessarily know what came before it. You know, yeah. sometimes it's hard. If you're completely out of context, it can be a little hard to figure, figure things out. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's something I've been meaning to do and I can see why that's important, right? So that was really helpful. The second was that with some tutorials that were incomplete. <laughs> You know, like, um, and, and to make matters worse, they were on these really tricky word problems. So in, in calculus, for any, for any of our listeners who remember their days in, in calculus, if they took it, um, you know, optimization problems and related rates. So you have, essentially, you have some geometrical, often a geometrical situation, maybe not necessarily going to be an economic context, and, and you have one one variable changing and it's affecting the change of another variable and you have to figure out like well if this variable is changing this fast and this gets to this level and how fast is it changing at this point you know well if you just have that describing words and there's no graphs no diagrams to explain what's going on you're gonna be like what the hell is happening right you have to draw a diagram well our, our tutorials had no diagrams <laughs> yeah i looked at that and i was like oh i because i didn't realize that so oh, I, I i emailed alex i'm like this has to be done right now you know, I mean, because when you have real users, you have to respond to 
their pain immediately. You know, because if you have any... I completely any, agree, yeah. If, if it was just sort of steer, well, at some point, you know, we got to have diagrams. Like, no, now, right now. I want somebody to solve this right now. And then the next thing was, she said that... So we have, like, for every topic, we have, like, a database of questions. You know, or listed. So there might be 10... You know, in some cases, we only have 10 or 15. In a lot of cases, we have 30 or more. Um, we're, we're trying to get the point where we have a minimum of 30 questions. Um, so that when you cycle through them, you know, you, you're not going to, there's so many of them, you could never remember the answer. Because you have 10, you'd be like, oh, I remember the answer. That one is uh, negative one half. Um, so she's like, yeah, the practice questions, which are questions that you just see at the end of the tutorial that aren't really counted, but you can go through, were showing up on the assignments. She's like, I already knew the answers to them. <laughs> so I couldn't, it was just, well, that's, you know, the answer is too pi or something. <laughs> And I thought we had had that solved, or I thought that we had gone through and done that, but a lot of the content developers or the editors had not necessarily taken the time to 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 select out like these these five questions in this topic are practice questions. It will not show up in the assignment. One thing that I have learned with with Modern Teacher, and I didn't fully appreciate this until that role, was how important QA testers are. Like testers are. They, you know, you, you, if you can, like if, if, if any company can afford a tester, it makes a massive difference, especially when you've got good testers. Because this kind of stuff you can just get dealt with beforehand because it, it kind of sucks that it's customers who are doing the testing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you're a really small startup, yeah, what are you gonna oftentimes do? you just, what are you, gonna do? you do your best, you know, maybe you get a friend to go through it or something or you... I don't know. I, I tend to test stuff pretty thoroughly on my own. But of course, this is testing content, which I, that's just, we have a mass that, amount of content and we have, you know, five or six, you know, subjects and three different, three or four different levels of courses. You know, it's. I mean, I always think I test stuff thoroughly, but th there's like, it's sort of like, you know, that thing where deer go through a forest and then they leave paths. And like, that's what we do, you, you know, you and I as developers we kind of test stuff in the same way. So for example, you know, if I'm testing, if I'm testing a payment form, like I'm always going to click a button, I'm going to type the test, the, you know, 42424242 for the credit card number. And then I'm going to do one, two, three, four for the date. And then I'm going to go boom. And I'm always going to test in that same way because Stripe lets me test it that way. I'm never going to do anything different. Well, someone else comes along and they test it in a completely different way. They press different buttons. They do different things. They do. And that's where you see, oh, it blows up. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of times when I'm testing stuff now, I try and, at least I try and test all the major things, yeah. and then I try and do some random stuff, And but you're right. I mean, but anyway, the, the, the whole point of reason I brought this up is that, you know, getting in front of users, talking to users yeah. is important, and getting them, getting their feedback, and getting them using it, and then getting feedback on that is a really, is a really important loop. So the sooner that you can talk to customers the better off you're going to be. And the sooner you can have people using some, you know, qu quantum of your, <laughs> you know, of your product, the better you're going to be, you know. Would you consider um, plugging customers into your Slack or a Slack? Because that's been absolutely huge for me with Nugget. Mm. Like just having those customers there available where they can just, even as they're using it, they can just like Slack you. Maybe. It, I never really thought about that. And it's really interesting because because you can be very reactive and you can really get it working and then you know that the less slacks you get the more kind of polished the product's getting well <laughs> yeah you know it's kind of like how like a lot of the support for products used to be on irc yeah it's pretty nerdy mm -hmm. i mean pretty geeky 
you know, for, for their normal customers, like, how am I going to, what's IRC or how yeah. do I get yeah. it? You got to get, oh, you got an IRC client. You got to do this. I mean, that's essentially what, you know, we're doing, replicating. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's not a bad idea. I mean, especially in the early days. I mean, at a certain point. It, no, obviously, no, just for the early adopt. Yeah, the, the real early days. Yeah. Once you get beyond, I don't know how many thousands of users. Oh, no, 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 no. I, well, you wouldn't want more than like 50 or 100 users to do that. But it's it's huge. Like there's been, I found it very, very, very useful. Like to just you can really do lots of quick feedback. Up. They complain yeah. about something. You're waiting. Yeah. Let me understand. Can you take a screenshot? Well, the, be the best thing is, is when they say something like, I don't understand this. I just, I don't understand what the hell this is. And you're like, what? And, and like to, to hear someone, they talk through their reasoning and you're like, huh, I never really thought about it from that perspective. I guess I can see why it makes no sense to you. you right. know? And so then you're like, okay, I've got to put a little bit of messaging up here that says, you know, this is what this is. Right. You know, because sometimes it's it's really easy to take. We're so in the weeds when we're building our products. Yeah. It's really easy to take for granted that people understand the context that we're thinking about when they're looking at a screen or a page. Yeah, that's what this gives you. You know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> and a slightly different topic, but I just want to bring it up. Um, I'm laughing at you sounding so like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I don't understand. You do, you, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, moving on, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> um, so we had a, uh, on Thursday, we had representatives from, from three different school districts come in and, and visit uh, Math Academy. Yeah. So Sane uh, and I spent the day with them, and we, they went and saw a couple classes, a sixth grade class, a seventh grade class, and eighth grade class. And first we saw the sixth grade class, which was taught by our newest instructor, Michael Menke, who's the recent PhD out of um, Oh, okay, UCLA. yeah. And... He's been making heavy use of my printout feature in this system where you can go and say, I want to create basically like a worksheet. You say, well, I want to go and have three, three questions from this topic, 10 questions, this topic, four questions, this topic, whatever. You can structure it, randomize it. You can print out an answer key. And that way, in three minutes, you could create a, a customized uh, worksheet that then you can print out, save as a PDF and print out, and then, you, and then the kids have stuff to work on in class. Um, and so he had printed out these review cause they were gonna have a test the next day. So this was like a review worksheet that covered everything that they've, that they've done. And I looked at him like, wow, these look really good. Did you use it? And I said, where'd you get these? He's like, well, I use the system. I was like, oh, cool. Cause I, I had never used it really. <laughs> I was like, I mean, it was, I never really got out of like sort of alpha to, for, as far as I was concerned, you know, there was still some weird behaviors in the printouts and I, I was going back and forth with my developer on so long. Eventually, I was like, "All right, let's just we got other stuff to do. Let's, let's just leave this for now." And because um, he's not really a front end guy, and it's sort of like when you're talking to someone who doesn't have any front end design skills and no sense of spacing and scale, and that's like it's just it's so hard to get them to do things yeah. the way. It's just like you would look at it and go, "Obviously, this needs some more spacing here. Obviously, this needs to happen." But if someone has, it's like they're it's like they're colorblind; they just can't see it. And you're just like, ah, why can't you see this, right? Take this infinite <laughs> feedback loop. You're like, damn it, just, all right, screw it. I'll just do it. So it got to that point where I was just like, okay, like it's just trying to, as I say, trying to teach a pig to sing. Don't try and teach a pig to sing. <laughs> just waste your time and annoys the pig. <laughs> <laughs> Never try and get a back-end developer to, 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 to design, to do front-end coding. It's the same thing. Don't do it. It's just an exercise in frustration for, for both parties. Because uh, the front-end back -end developer's like, it worked. What do you, what's the problem? Like, yeah. like I just... You know, these are the inputs, these are the outputs, where you're like, this is not, you see these this fonts, this, this is too small, this is the same <laughs> color as this, and there's no spacing here, and why would you put that there? And they're like, uh, they don't they don't see it. So did he, did he, your teacher used that, um, 
a software in a different way than you'd expected and made it really useful? Or is it, did you use it exactly like you expected? used it exactly how I expected and it, uh, how I wanted it. It looked perfect. Huh. And I was just like, this is so awesome. That's you great. Know, th that's the thing, reason I'm bringing this up is when people use your software, it's an incredible feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was like, I mean, the whole day went great because the, 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 all of the, the, the people from the districts were just blown away and so excited. They just couldn't get over how engaged the kids were, were and how much, how much they were learning. Oh, you know, but I still kept saying, like, you see the worksheets? Those worksheets were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, I saw them. They're great. You know, and I was just like, I was like, and I'm still excited about it. It was just like, I don't know. That it's just feature was great. Something about creating some this lines of code that just work, and then and then just come into the real world somehow and affect things in a positive way. It's so it gives you such a high. But you know how much work that is. I mean, that's the reason why you don't teach anymore because it was so much work and effort to build that kind of to to do the problems for the class every day, right? Oh my god! So I told Sandy like. Whenever I never created worksheets because it's a pain in the ass. It takes hours to like custom. It's just it's not like I'm I'm creating a bunch of like you know adding numbers together. I these are like you know involved equations. Yeah. In equations, you have to use special layout. Even if you use Word and you're kind of using the equation, there. I mean, it's a pain in the ass. And you're going to create what fifty of those, and they're all going to be different. No, they're going to take you an entire day. And so whenever I would create a test. For my classes and i'd say okay and maybe be, be 20 questions on it and it would take four cover four or five pages and you're trying to space out the problems enough to write and you're trying to organize them in a way so they're not all the same pro similar kind of problems are together and you're trying to worry like, well that's going to be a little too hard and you're trying to invent the problem and then you got to create a solution key most time i'd be like ah screw it i'll just grade it and figure it out then and it would take hours and hours and sandy would because i would spend Four or five hours creating a test, and I would go and check. Sandy, I could check. Can you see? Do I have any problems here? I'd miss the numbering. I'd screw up. Oh, there's no number seventeen, or you know, I would, I would inevitably screw something up. I'd screw a problem. There always be a problem where I would ask something that was, that was unclear or ambiguous, or a question went off the side of the page. It's something. And mm -hmm. I'm a perfectionist, and I would still screw it up because it'd be like, why? It's it's asking for X, but there is no X in this question. I was like. <laughs> Ah, you know. <laughs> so this, these are vetted questions, right? And so, and they ha and they can go through, and I don't know. And and he, he and I, I asked him. I said, how 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 do, how do you use the worksheet? He said, I use it every day. He says it's great. It's easy. You think other teachers have that problem? Uh, well, I think I think uh, a lot of them. Some 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 have. There is software out there where that'll be worksheet generators, except for especially for lower grades. Maybe up to like algebra one, you know, you, you can find worksheet generators. They sometimes they, be, they tend to be very static, like just for this unit. Here are the mm. problems for this 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 chapter, and that's it. You can't do mixes, and you can't you know have that kind of flexibility. There is one that Haren bought like a year or two ago called Infinite. It's like Infinite Algebra and Infinite Calculus, and it cut each one was like two hundred bucks. You buy the whole suite for like eight hundred or a thousand dollars, download mm. it. And, and that's kind of what I looked at and I based ours around. I'm like, okay, what is, what is he doing? Cause I saw him doing that and I was like, oh, hell no. Like we got to build that into this. This is the fact that he had to buy this and it's still, what they do is they, they don't have a database of questions. They generate, they have algorithms that generate the questions, which in some ways seems great because it's like, oh, well, you know, we can, are there answers? How do you know the quality of the question? How do you know if that question is the right, the right level for them right now? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I had done that in my first 
startup was a was an education startup for the finance industry, and I created these things called skill builders that had were algorithmic. And it's a pain in the ass because you always have to put all these parameterizations around like, well, we can't have this too. There's lots of it. There's lots of exceptions. No, this will be too. This will be a weird number and this won't work out right. And it's like, it's just easy to write 20 perfect questions and be like that. We're never going to need more than that. And everyone's ideal. They're very, you know, it's just, and you're done and you're done forever. And that's why on this one, I just said, we're just, we're not doing the automated thing. Um, so, but the problem with the algorithmic thing is like, I went to their infinite calculus product and um, uh, they, uh, they don't have problems for all kinds of types of word problems. They're almost non-existent or they're very, very generic. Um, they just don't cover a lot of stuff because it's hard to write um, algorithms yeah. to do it. And so they just don't have them. And I, because I was just like, man, they're missing, you know, a third of the stuff. It seems like that is definitely something that you could, you could like somehow use in your, in their marketing pages or you could spin, spin off, off, spin off as a separate product or use as like a, a Gabriel Weinberg like micro product, which is a marketing product, so you could use teachers as a channel. I you know? absolutely agree. You're so I'm so glad you brought that up because I was just thinking about that yesterday. I was after, or not just after that. I was like, you know, we should spin this off and have its own kind of side website, which is just like you pay, you know, ten dollars a month, yeah, and you can generate, you know, worksheets and you can you come in and, and that would save. I mean, that would be because. If it's saving people, if it's saving people the kind of pain that you've been telling me that it, it caused, and okay, wait, hold on a second, ten dollars a month doesn't seem right because at the one end you've got a thousand, and at the other end you've got an infinite amount of pain. Like you can go higher than ten with that product, definitely. You could, but I mean, not like nine ninety five a month for a teacher is teachers don't make a lot of money. It's true. It's true from a teacher, but they yeah. could absolutely justify this. Like this could save me so much. But Heron's Heron pu pushed out two hundred bucks. His wife's an orthopedic surgeon. Oh, okay. So, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think money is, you know, that big a deal to him. Um, you know, he's just trying to save himself headache. But, um, yeah, I'm not saying you couldn't charge more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could charge, maybe you could charge 20 or 30 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month or whatever. But if you could definitely sell just the worksheet, because the worksheet generator would appeal to teachers, high school math teachers. Well, Everywhere. Any college. Across everywhere. How long would it take to, to create, to spin off that product? Well, probably take, uh, okay, like quantum of utility yeah. approach. Yeah. A week. A week. A week. And I mean, we could we could plug in a Stripe payment form in like an afternoon, even yeah. a couple of hours. You'd probably do it. I mean. The, the, only, the only problem, the only problem is you just have to make sure that we have enough, the questions for, I'm going to put this, like, you just want to make sure the curriculum is kind of there. Like, if they get in, it's like, okay, we're missing two-thirds no, of the No, 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 no. Like, just like when I launched the course, we only had, like, seven of 12 modules. Yeah, so I, you, could you algebra, just, I could launch Algebra 1. Yeah, you just say, look, you know, we're, we're ready to go with Algebra 1, but your, but your subscription is going gonna, is gonna to buy Algebra 2, and, you know, basically... Just stay with us, and you're just going to keep getting more and more content over time. Yeah. So, so let me ask you, what do you think about this? So, that, uh, yeah, I think the worksheet generator could be a business by itself. It's a really simple product that you don't have to buy into. But it, it solves such a big pain point. Like, it solves a really big pain point, and that is when I mean, that's what Amy Hoy says. You know, shut up and let me give you my money. You right. know, it's it's a that kind of product for right. for teachers like like you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that. That might be now. 
it's kind of a crowded space and that there are worksheet generators. A lot of, like I said, a lot of it is for like K through eight kind of stuff, K younger stuff. It's kind of limited. It's not really. And then of course it's like adware. There's pop-ups over the place. It's kind of a really crappy experience. You know, it's like a real. Just kind That's of a, the reason why yours rocks. Yeah. So if we create one. How quickly could we, how quickly could we get the word out to every math teacher in America? <laughs> I, that's a big, I mean, there's a lot of math teachers. I mean, that's pretty expensive. I don't think you have to do that, but I think you just have to maybe advertise, find some advertising in some sites. But, you know, so. Do some do some PR and content marketing about it? Yeah, yeah, PR marketing content, uh, content marketing. So I think one, so a couple other things I'm thinking about, like how to, how to get people, how to build up our user base and our, our brand awareness is also, so we're going to create, the goal is ultimately to create videos for each one of these topics. Mm. And we have, I don't know, I don't know what they're probably 1,400 topics or something like that. That's man algebra one through calculus. Okay. Um, and that's growing, can continue to grow. And we're going to create videos for overtime for each one of these. But I was thinking about making some large fraction of them, just putting them on YouTube with link backs and, 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 and advertisements for our yeah. product. It's like, hey, if you want to... You know, da, da da. But so, so people can use watch videos. You know, because there are videos on a lot of stuff. A lot of most of them kind of suck. You know, the really it's it, most most math tutorial videos are kind of amateur hour, and they just. So, are you going to build up like like you've got your content creation team? Are you going to build up like a video creation team? I imagine we probably have to at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but I think that would be a big sort of lead generation, sort of a, you know, give away the videos, give away the tech. So give away the content in terms of like the, 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 the tutorial. So if you, how do I do integration by parts? And you go math academy, like, bam, this is, I love their tutorials. Well, yeah, awesome. So that's something you haven't mentioned on the show, which is that uh, this plan of yours to basically open up the tutorials. Um, so to, to open it up like a, like a spider web, like a, just make everything available for Google to index. That's what I'm thinking. And then the videos are on YouTube. The tutorials are on, are available. The, the, there's a worksheet generators you can buy. But if you actually want to go through a course, it has the distributed practice and the customized adaptive learning thing. That's all kind of, that's, you have to but pay you, for that. You don't need the video. I mean, basically, just by opening up the content in the first place and indexing it on YouTube. And by the way, talk to me about that because I've done that before. And yeah, it's I don't know very, anything very about effective. I don't know anything about any of this stuff. Yeah, yeah uh, that's, uh, very, uh, you know, that's so. very easy and very effective. Just yeah. do that. And you'll already start getting people like right. that, that open that up and I'll show you how to, cause you, you, ge you generate a dynamic sitemap right. and you just go to Google webmaster tools uh -huh. and you plug it in and then it puts all of your pages on Google straight away. Right. You know, and then, you know, you know, the whole Google, Google slapping thing where no, Google's it's Google, Google whack, Google, Google whack. whack. Okay. That's where you, you try and find searches when it, it's, it sends back and it's like, there's nothing there. Well, for your kind of stuff, there's going to be nothing there because it's like so kind of specific, some of these deep lessons that you do, mm -hmm. that's where you'll start getting people coming in. Yeah, I think there'll be some of that. There'll also be a lot of, right, because we, we will be very specific. Yeah. There is a lot of stuff, like if you go and you say, okay, I want to do integration by parts, you'll find some tutorials up there, but like there'll be either A, somebody who'll ramble for five minutes, 10 minutes, and then kind of solve some really strange problem you'll have some professor who's foreign who has a really strong accent you have no idea what the guy's talking about um you know i mean because you can understand i mean it's just most of them are pretty bad you know occasionally you find something that's really good and the ones that do are really good stand out but they're usually like that many of them like that person will produce you know 20 videos or something um so i think there's you know 
there are lots of partial solutions to almost everything on the web now. And the thing is, I don't. I think now it's like hard to find a space that is completely empty. The question is, you know, is it a is it a five star you know property they put up or is it a little shack? It's like okay, we have just a bunch of shanty town. Like this is garbage. Like we can just come yeah. in and do a good job. It doesn't really matter, you know, because people because if if people aren't happy with something, they'll everybody just hits the back button and, and goes through three or four oh, yeah, months they like. Right. Yeah. Right. Totally. It's like oh yeah, there's ten of them, but they all suck. Oh, this one's good. Yeah. And then quickly you start to go to the top because actually this is. It it gets recognized by Google because they're they're tracking people and they're tracking people's behavior and then people start linking to it and basically yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, here's the thing I was thinking about. So for the page, uh, for the formatting of the tutorials, I use, we use uh, Markdown. Yep. Um, with um, with support for MathJax and our and our special graphics engine and stuff. So it does a lot more than Markdown. But the one thing it doesn't do is there's a little more layout that I really want. So like I look at the layout of say um, if you look by this two hundred dollar textbook calculus textbook and you look at how the pages are laid out the colors it's, it's nice it's really nice and you're like okay i i want to be comparable to that now a lot of it isn't in much like you and you you could do this in if, if someone said can you use html you'd be like yeah it's a joke like i could do that and, and you know not even use any, anything fancy right the question is I'm, I'm trying to figure out do i go into these tutorials which are all they which all the content editors and tutorial writers edit just using Markdown. So I specifically made it so that they that we didn't have a bunch of fancy CSS because I don't want them to be have to have a web designer do it necessarily. Should I create custom tags? You know, kind of a pre-parser that goes in and says, okay, this is a theorem, this is an example, and it tags it and it does its own special layout and that, and then it converts it into like a div or a span or something with CSS. That's what I. That's what I do. You know, that's that what, what I've do? done with that, that's what I've done with with Nugget and with Modern Teacher, and um, it just makes it. But it, it it's the only way that I've been able to make it like comparable to like a Dolan Kingsley kind of textbook or something like that. Um, Kingsley. Dolan Dolan Kingsley. Is that a? Is that like they're, a, they're, they're like a, an English like. A and they're really house. really high end. Really, yeah, really nice. And so, what do you do? So, explain to me what you what you what you're what you're. Well, specifically the the way that um, I'm doing it. See, I'm doing it slightly different. But with Nugget, what I'm doing is I'm using the lessons are all created in YAML. Yeah. And I've just defined my own kind of language. So I've just basically saying, look, you know, this this block is an example. You know, this block is important. This block is a note. So you, you you've used YAML, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's just basically I'll just start the content and on the top level I'll just do hyphen space important colon and then I'll go on to the next line then I'll start typing out the lesson. That'll be paragraphs, but then if I want bullets I'll just I just do, you know, hyphen space bullets and I get them in. But but I realized some bullets in some instances bullets were too close together, so I made another one bullets spaced. So I just built my own language that has about maybe 25 things and now the the content looks perfect because there's there's just like 25 different block types that I know are always going to work really beautifully. Right. So that's what I do. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so I'm I'm just trying to figure out if I should I would recommend that because when you try and you the reason why I recommend that is because how long how long did it take I mean it took me like a day and a half to make that, you know, to just make it the the way I really wanted and then it's super easy to write the content moving forward. But if you're working with these other systems, it's like, 
you've got to wade through. I mean, they're, they're, they're over-engineering it for a completely extensible solution, whereas you probably only need like 25 different types of blocks. You don't need that much, yeah. Yeah, you don't need that much. You just need like a title. You just need a note. You just need a paragraph. You just need some bullets. But you're right in the sense, like one thing is like the tables, the tables at Markdown and the tables are kind of like crap. So we're trying to figure out a way around some things. You know, I mean, we our stuff looks really good most of the time. There are a few instances where it's like, you know, but but Markdown's customizable. The CSS is customizable itself, right? Like, uh, so you just just CSS. I'm not worried about the the Markdown generator. I'm I'm worried about the stuff that we want to do that Markdown doesn't cover. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know there are other things like what was it ASCII doc and stuff, but they don't uh, really do that much more. I mean, so. there's literally no way that I could have done what I want to do with Nugget with Markdown because it doesn't have enough doesn't have enough content types. Right. Like I I literally I I want to have like big panel light gray blocks for an example, you know, for a block Exactly. Quote. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's what I want to do. So I don't have like you know, gray uh, light blue box for theorem or solution or here are steps for something. Like right now it's just like it doesn't look that great because it's yeah, I don't. I don't want just raw text. Like, but the other thing is, I want the I want the viewer's eye for any part of the the thing in one specific lesson to be just drawn to those few paragraphs, so that everything is just chunked out and it doesn't look like this big long page of text or you know. So it's just chunked out. And what's really nice is like to have, um, you know, example, and then that's a blue box. But then important, it's like a really dark gray box with white text, you know, next to it. Like important, by the way, you should really think about this. And then in yellow, like a note. Oh, uh, by the way, background for this. And then I've also got required reading. So then it just puts a few links to different places around the internet. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I just got to figure out what what my tagging system, what my markup system is going to be. But I guess as long as I make it a preprocessor. Would you try and merge it with markup? I, what I would do is it would go through, it would parse that first. So right now what it does, so because I have LaTeX or basically MathJax embedded in it. Yeah. And those things interfere with each other. So we wrote, we wrote like something called MathDown. <laughs> yeah. I, I wrote a version of it and Sivalad's been extending it. So essentially MathDown.js, uh, what it does is it um, goes through, puts place, wherever it finds either inline or block yeah. versions of um, MathJax, it'll just put a placeholder, go through, run Markdown, and then go in and fit in the... The rent and then and then stick the 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 MathJax code and then run the MathJax over that. That's sort of what it does. Um, but it also finds places where we have like a, a LaTeX document, so the system identifies that and then and that's how it generates, um, you know, fully rendered graphics. I mean, our graphics are gorgeous now. I mean, it's just oh yeah, they're they're really beautiful. I mean, I think for for what you're doing, because you've just have one main text input, right? I think like it's just a raw text input. Yeah, um, so it is. I think you just you just choose something simple like I don't know two ampersands and then a word, you know. So you say like two ampersands example, and then basically all the text after that is just included in that example block. And and I don't know whether you want to do an ending or whether you just want to do the next one to open it. Like that's well, the beauty. Well, it's a one-line thing, like an example or a solution, which would just be an inline thing. Yeah. Or whether it's inline or block. So either a block or an inline thing. And then, you know, because you could have like, okay, if it's a block thing, like this is a theorem or sometimes... Will you have a close... So would you do a close... The, the, beauty of, the beauty of YAML is because everything's its own like thing, you don't need a closing tag. But the bad thing about YAML is you've got to be quite specific about how you type it out. So... 
because I'm the only one making the lesson content, it's kind yeah, of easy I, for me. Yeah, I had a lot. Yeah. Of, I've had a lot of problems with the ammo. I yeah. mean, it's great in certain instances, but if you have a lot of text with multiple lines like this, yeah, you can't use the ammo. For that. Yeah, so so you'll probably need closing tags then. Yeah, so I just have to create so. But I think we just kind of build it in, and we have kind of a preprocessor that processes those tags, right? I mean, you won't need closing tags if you just make sure that every block has an opening tag. So you just got to you just got to make that a rule. You've always got to specify what the next block is, and then you don't need closing tags. I have to look at that, but I think yeah, you know, I think you've convinced me because I, I kept going back and forth because I'm like looking at I'm looking at the tutorials and I think overall they look really good, but I'm like they could go another level up, yeah, right. So and I was like, should I do divs and spans and and teach the tutorial writers to do that or should I create something? To, and I think I think doing something that's a little more um, Customize, then you can go through and change stuff across the board really easily, I think. So we started talking a little bit about, earlier in the show, about uh, productizing the worksheet generator. Um, and you had a really good idea. We were talking about this offline, and you had a really good idea of, of you know, taking the same approach that you do in the, in the Nugget, in the Academy, which is join a Facebook group, of of people who might be, you know, your target audience. Yeah. And 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 say, hey, I'm a software developer. I've got this thing. Um, and then you give them a link with a what it what it took to describe it. So basically, you just create a landing page, and um, you just that landing page is super simple. You just have your basic logo, and you just have like an email input box, and like get notified, as in like it's kind of like a wait list page. Maybe just a simple headline. Well, what uh, what what do you use for landing page design? Do you have like a preferred provider? That I think no, was... just HTML. Just like just oh, you don't use because there's like a bunch of landing page websites. I mean, you can do that, but like I just, I mean, why bother when you can just knock up a piece of HTML in like ten minutes? And you know, I mean, it's, it doesn't take long to. It's it's not it's not a lot on the page. It's just like a headline, an input box, boom. But I could actually have screenshots of like the of the of the. Since I actually have a product. Oh, shows. oh well, well now you're t so okay. So in the in the academy, we've got this concept. We've got like a vapor landing page, uh -huh. a liquid landing page, and a solid landing page. So you're okay. talking about a solid landing page. So uh, the, I'm talking about vapor, where it's just like completely vaporware. It's total bullshit. <laughs> it's just like, made you don't dream. even barely know what it is. It's yet. just a, it's, it's a, a wisp. In, it's a, pro a, yeah, it's a hypothesis. It's, it's a hypothetical wisp. But then a liquid landing page. Is is like a little harder. It's little, but it's not hard. Maybe you've just maybe you've actually designed a couple. Basically, you perspective it's, it's pages. It's just bullet points. It's bullet points after talking to your market. So basically, you've you've spoken to some customers. You've got them in your Slack group. You've spoken to those customers, and you're beginning to understand some some of their pain points. So this can be an iterative process. You might have a yeah. Okay, and then yeah. in the solid it means you might actually so, have. So you've got screenshots. You've you've spoke. Not only have you spoken to customers, got them into your Slack group, had discussions with them. You've you've like, oh, I'm really understanding what this product is. So now you're starting to build some some mock-ups and some some screenshots. But in your case, you've actually got a product. You've actually got an actual working product. So, but but the point here is, is, is to get this landing page, to get those people there from Facebook, and then to start talking to them. And the best, easiest way that I've found to talk to a large group of people around a centralized concept is to set up a Slack group. So you set up a Slack group, they enter their email address, and then they join your list, and it emails them a Slack invite, okay. and then you are filling up a focus group Slack about your 
How many people are usually in your Slack group? You're like minimum 20, 15 to 20 or something? Or uh, you... No, well, people aren't limiting them. I mean, basically, the way that they're doing it in the academy, some, you know, like the, the better they are at building their seed group, the, the more people they have in their Slack. You know, some people have like 20, 30. Other people have like five. But people get super excited even if they just get one. Like once you can speak to one person about what you want to, what you're thinking about building, that's that's pretty exciting. Do you see a correlation between how many people they get in their seed group and how much momentum they have carrying forward from there? I see it. I definitely do. But it, it goes back further because it's really, a, it's the, the primary aspect is, does the idea have an it factor? Okay. I think we just, did we talk about that in the last show yet? So I don't know. The it, it, like an it girl? Like, no, you know, like um, this comes from like a, a, a talk that I saw by Ray Manzarak, who's the keyboard player for The Doors. He basically said, I remember him like, uh, this was like in, in the 2000s or something like that. Um, he said, you know, I knew, I knew that our group was going to be good because like we were rehearsing, rehearsing one day and Jim said, man, this music's so good. I just, I got to move. I can't stop moving. Like this, this we've got the it factor, man. We've got it. We've right. got it. Right. right. <laughs> and he's like, the, that's the it factor. And he's like, look, you know, no band is ever going to make it unless they've got it. Right. Okay. Okay. So, um, really, it's just it's just like do, does the idea match up with the market, with you as a founder, and does it really solve a you know a major actual pain point or get people excited? That's the big driver. And then you just got to work out how you find the place. So, for example, you your software solves such a huge pain point. These te teachers have not very much time. And they have to spend so much time doing the kind of stuff that you're doing, like this lesson planning and stuff. Mm -hmm. So with a tool where they just go ahead and like click a few checkboxes, click a few buttons, and all of a sudden it's got like 20 amazing, you know, questions, that's going to be, I think that's going to have a it factor, you know. Yeah, interesting. And I think people will go like, yeah, I want to find out about this. And that, so you'll, you'll pose a question in the Facebook group. you got to talk to the people who own the group and make sure that you're not offending them. Because you, because like they'll, they'll, they might just ban you or remove the question or whatever. So you just spend a few, a little bit of conversation warming up, warming them up, post mm -hmm. a question, and then you can do polls in Facebook groups. You know, so you could just say, does a does a product like this sound interesting? Yes or no. And then the nice thing is, is anyone who answers, you can literally it has a list of them, so you can kind of private message them and say, hey, check out my landing page. Interesting. Yeah, well, the one thing good thing about the worksheet generator as sort of a spinoff product is that in-class work, which I think a lot more classes or teachers are doing that than just lecturing the whole time. I think yeah. it's people, I think, I think most people are realizing that's more effective. Um, I, in fact, I've noticed Kobe, you know, Kobe is now in ninth grade in high school and he doesn't have any homework hardly. And the reason is because they do everything in class. Even as English class, they read in class. But isn't that supposed to be like the flipped classroom? Like that's supposed to be the modern way of teaching is to... Is well, the modern way of teaching is you go and read and watch videos at home and then you yeah. do stuff in class. They're doing everything in class. I know. That's what I mean. Isn't that weird? It's not even flipped. It's just in class. Like they're just not doing much homework, which I'm happy about because that's the thing. It's, it's, it, you know, when your kid has homework, it's actually like you have homework. Because right. it's stressful. You're like, oh, because it's like it puts constraints on what you can do as a family. It's like, oh, well, we can't do that. We got to have homework, and then, you know, it's kind of staying on top of them. Do you have homework? Do you get it done? You know, I mean, it's just it creates yeah. a certain amount of, you know. You do homework with your you you do do homework with your kids. They they do it on the platform. No, oh, with the, um, the math academy. 
Math Academy we do. Um, we do a lot more in class. I, I've noticed that the homework, the instructors aren't assigning as much homework. They're trying to get as much done in class as possible. I think you can probably do that. Yeah. Um, but um, they do do homework on the on the system for sure. Um, most nights. Um, anyway, so Colby's class. I mean, this is one obviously one kid in one school. But I, I just get I'm getting the impression that they're doing stuff in class and. If you want kids to do math problems in class, you either have to say, okay, go to your textbook, do problem number seven to 50. I mean, that's a pain in the butt. And then it's like they have to write a separate piece of paper and you got to collect it. And it's just not as nice if you just hand out, here are the problems, right? Here's mm-hmm. the worksheet. That's way more efficient and, and than, um, than I, I think it's cleaner solution. And they, <laughs> a lot of times kids, textbooks are pain in the ass because kids don't always have textbooks. They forgot their textbooks. The pictures are pain to carry around, you know. That's what I was going to say to you. Just when we started recording, <clears throat> you said, look, should we record this? This is the thought I had. There's, there's, there's pricing questions. So you, you can say, so you get those guys into your Slack group and then you can start finding out what their price tolerances oh, are. Yeah. Um, by a question like, what would be a, this, what could be a price that was so cheap, cheap that you wouldn't trust this software? Mm-hmm. So you, you can then find out, okay, that's like really cheap. They're, they're not mm-hmm. going to trust it at that level. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you say, what's what's like the the maximum price that would be the minimum sensible price point for a software like this? You know? So you kind of ask them like mm-hmm. like three or four or five different questions. And then you can get a sense of a range of where they're thinking. And then whatever you generally come up with, you can usually double it. Because people will even just by talking gonna, about they're price, they're going to sandbag you. They're always, yeah, they're always going to. They want to. They if they think if they really pay thirty, they're going to say like fourteen. Yeah, 10, exactly. Totally. Yeah. Like, okay, you'd pay, you'd pay thirty bucks a month. So um, that's interesting. Um, that's helpful. So this is just the kind of good stuff that happens in the academy, right? So this yeah. is good. That's good. Where did you um, where did you kind of come up with this whole little trick? Um, it's not a trick. It's just a series of like, here's a good way to do. It. Here's an easy way to find people. Honestly, just fluke because because when 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 I started Nugget, I w- it was getting kind of annoying that I couldn't speak to people or the time to speak to them was so slow, like through through the uh, discourse software. And so I was just like, you know what? I want to set up a Slack and see how that works out. What's the discourse software? Uh, it's like a forum software. You know, okay. you know, um, Jeff Atwood's forum software it's oh. called Discourse. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's open source software. So Nugget, I initially posted all the nuggets into that discourse forum. Okay, but but then and discussion's kind of good. But I thought mm, I'd I'd like you know Slack had just come out. I was kind of into it. Let's see what happens. You know, let's bring all the customers into that as and that's well. That's worked a lot better for you. Well, it's it's been amazing because it's just been it's just given so much flexibility for having ongoing asynchronous conversations with lots of people who are your customers. Right. You know, like. I've had, you know, 400 people go through the door and I've never felt overwhelmed because you just kind of pick up, focus on one signal at a time, you know? Right. You don't speak to all 400 people at once. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, that's cool. What, uh, you know, S- Sandy has had um, suggested that we bring back a formal version of La Critique, <laughs> <laughs> which we haven't done in, I don't know, Five years or something. Nice. No, yeah. So and you were suggesting we do a little bit of that with the Nuggets. I'm just curious. How's the um? How's Fire CI? Is that? Yeah. He's um. What's the, What does Fire CI do again? He's he's working on it. He put up a he put up a video of um of Fire. So Fire CI is like distributed um on local. So 
on your local machine it's using docker a distributed uh continuous integration build system continuous integration that's yeah the continuous okay. integration yeah so it it does it automates so, that or something or? well no so basically normally continuous integration happens on like cloud servers but this okay. is happening on your on on your uh, network of developers machines okay so you kind of have your own local build servers okay and it kind of it can make use of all of their um machines and it makes the build process much faster and it all works out but anyway he did a video of um of the agent so you he's got like an, a mac app installer you know and he's already mm -hmm. built that agent like and so he just did a little video of him going through the going through the wizard installing the app Nice. Yeah. So, so see how far along he's just working on it. How you know? many users does he have, or how many? What's uh, he's or? he's got like he's got seed a couple of seed users, and he got those through. He maybe just got three people, and they all came in through that one texting podcast where we spoke oh, about really? it. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. Well, I guess we have our yeah. So he hasn't done he hasn't done beyond that. But his thing, like, I, I I'm a firm believer that if you've got like you know a couple of people who are like really excited about what you're building. That's kind of, it's kind of enough. Like you can just gauge the level of excitement, you know, and it's like, yeah. And, and especially if they just really get it and they're like, yeah, man, I wish this existed. I love what you're doing. Well, you really only need a small number of people at first because it, they, 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 just even a small number, especially if they're somewhat reflective of what you think the true audience is, you know, if they're, if they're kind of have these weird idiosyncratic requests that can lead you astray, mm -hmm. but assuming they're not, they're kind of what you imagine to be. This yes. is this is what I was That's out. That's exactly this, right. Yeah, and um, then you can just really focus on getting those get your product point where those three or five or seven people are really really excited. Yeah. Right. And that's hard enough as it is. Like it's funny. Like when Paul Buhite first, you know, wanted to he, when he presented Gmail to the Google, I think it was a Google either executive team or board or something, and Eric Schmidt said, you know, well. Once you have a hundred people at Google who love it, we'll talk about releasing it. And he's like, "You'd be surprised how hard it is to get a hundred people to love anything." Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So he's like, "Yeah, you would work really hard for it, you know." And, and it's the same thing the Airbnb story. That I've, I've 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 mentioned it a lot before, but there was a great episode on Ma on the Masters of Scale, Reed Hoffman's podcast about, uh, you know, they he he actually talked about this in a couple episodes, but it was an interview with um, oh geez, Brian Chesky, I think from. Airbnb and yeah. um, you know, and it's just like you know the the key thing is that you just gotta build your you gotta build a mind blowing experience for your core for your audience. Like if you do that, like everything else will kind of start to take care of us. It makes everything else so easy. But if you don't do that, you're you're it's gonna be a struggle. And but so you really only need a small number of people that you focus on building this thing to the point that they just love it. Now, going back to the Airbnb story, like. They started with just an HTML page, right? Mm. And you know, just a simple form. And I'm I'm going to say there, it was a long time before they blew created an absolutely mind-blowing experience. But they really were kind of solving a problem for key people at the beginning. Well, first it was just air bed and breakfast. Like it was an it was air mattress, an air and mattress. you would cook on breakfast. I mean, that's like not, they were kind of off for a while. It wasn't for yeah. It was a while. I guess it was it, like exactly. It was like, oh God, I can't remember. It was like Barry Manilow's drummer or something wanted to rent out his whole house. And they were like, yeah. should we allow this? And who's going to cook the people breakfast? And, yeah. Right, because they were just off on what yeah, they thought. exactly. But, um, you know, what do you say? It's like, yeah, first their website was so bad. He said they were like, at, I guess he was telling the story about how they were like at South by Southwest and then a friend of his who was kind of, 
I don't know, I can't remember who it was, um, but it was somebody who was semi-successful and they um, introduced him to this angel investor and the guy goes, this is a great story, he goes to the hotel room, he says, the guy's sitting there in his tidy whiteys watching something on the History Channel. <laughs> and he's like, the guy's like, hey, what's up? He's like, so I hear you got this webpage or whatever and they're talking about it and because um, and, they're just broke at this point, right? I mean, the guys at Airbnb are like starving to death. They have like $40,000 in credit card each. They have like, you know, um, they're, obviously just scrimping by and he's and then and they're trying to figure out how to raise money and the guy says oh um he said like oh well there are you know you can raise money there are angels and the guy is like oh god this guy's crazy he believes in angels <laughs> 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 and the guy's like no 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 these are investors who give money he's like oh okay <laughs> like, they, they knew nothing oh i gotta get out of here this guy's actually insane he believes <laughs> <laughs> they knew nothing. The, the angels like, will take care of it. Yeah, the angels will help you. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. But um, I, I would highly recommend listening to the uncut interview, Masters of Scale interview with Brian Chesky is just great. I, I listened to it um, last weekend. Colby and I were driving back. You listened to it a few times. Well, there was a the one that I recommended. I listened more once was a wasn't the uncut interview. Yeah, okay. uh, and, and Reed Hoffman's interjecting his thoughts, and I think they they cut to a couple other people he interviewed that had, you know, sort of relevant points to make. But just the raw interview is so, it's just so on point, and it just goes to, it, it's like one of the things that he was talking about. He's like a year and a half after they launched, they still were only getting like ten bookings a day or something, or less than that, or two or something. It was ridiculous. He's like, so anybody who thinks that it's just going to take off, he's like, you know, it took a year and a half and we we're still, we're nowhere. It was just took, it yeah, takes yeah. time. Um, it takes time. Really does. And of course he's like that guy, that same guy who was helping him out. He said, so they spent like, I don't know, some period of time, three months or six months. I would meet with him every week and he'd go over the website and he's like, oh my God, this thing is horrible. Like it is, <laughs> did 10 clicks to get, get anything done. It was so confusing. <laughs> it was just awful. Right. And um, so it took a while. It really took a while. It took a was- while for them to figure out what their business should be. Cause like I said, at first it was an, an air mattress in somebody's house and you would kick on breakfast, which does sound kind of stupid. Yeah. It was in the vicinity of a great idea, but it wasn't a great idea. Itself. Yeah. They're like on the, looking at the quadrants of the map and like, Oh, feeling around blindly. Yeah. But you know, it's like they, um, you know, but they had the quantum of utility. Like they had some people who would, do that but that got them talking to customers who then led them in the right direction that's what i'm saying that's the reason why i think it'd be a really good idea for you to do this to get that slack group going to get talking to those teachers you know because you may just find there's like some other little thing or some other little yeah you just haven't considered that would just make it like really really take off yeah no i Um, I agree i agree i wonder what other ways you could reach teachers apart from that facebook group idea well, content. I mean, there's a lot of articles I could write about teach. You know, there's a lot of stuff we could build off on. You know, Math Academy. That well, with the stuff that we've done, I think I could write a series of articles that would, that would, um, maybe move the needle. So when you get to Math Academy, you could have like products, products drop down. Mm-hmm. You know, what would you call this one? Oh, we just I don't know. Worksheet. I don't know. Worksheet creator or something. <laughs> something. Yeah. I don't know, but. I don't know, something like that. But it, you could actually, but you can generate a test or a quiz too, right? Mm-hmm. You can just generate, it's like, I call them printouts because it, I used to call them worksheets, but I'm like, wait a minute, this is the same thing you would do to create a, uh, to generate a, a quiz or a test, which again, are a pain in the ass mm-hmm. to do. Um, they take a lot of time. So 
I don't know. Something, I don't know what, what term we'd use. Printout generator. It's pretty lame, but yeah, <laughs> it tells you what you it can, is. You can think, you've got some mad naming foo skills, so you can think of something better I don't know, than that. Dude, I've been struggling with naming other things lately. I don't know. Like, I, I think I lost my foo. I can't name my own stuff. I can name, oh, other, you can name stuff, other people's stuff. I can't name my own stuff. I just, just, I don't know. Just hit a, hit a block. But, um, anyway, I'm glad you, I'm glad you, uh, you point out the idea about the, the Facebook stuff. That's really good. Oh, thanks. Really good. Yeah. Um, we'll find some other ones. We almost got a show. Uh, we, I'm sure we, I'm sure I think we, yeah, if we do, if we do like another half an hour or whatever, I mean, I think the first one was like an hour. Right. Yeah. yeah. So and we'll, this is, we're about to, are, we, are you coming over tomorrow? 20 minutes now. Yeah. I, if I can. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Come on tomorrow. We'll, we'll record a little more. So it's what, like one, it's almost one thirty. We should probably, yeah. Should, but what do we, what do we need to do uh, for your stuff? Well, you know, one thing I think we should probably spend more time is on the marketing page. Okay. So we'll, mock, that's something that we'll you and I, that whole thing up. Yeah. I think that's something you and I could go through. That's a good exercise yeah. because it's yeah. not, you know, we have to think hard about things and it's, it's not a lot, but it's just the kind of stuff that I don't want to do on my own because I get bored. Yeah. Okay. You know, it'll force me to and we'll, we'll, we'll just get, we'll get it, get you excited about like some of the messaging that it's going to say. And because you do get animated when you start talking about why it's a good product, right. why it's good for people. So we'll do that. Okay, okay. great. All right. So we'll probably record a bit more tomorrow. Yeah, let's do it. Welcome to episode, oh, oh, wait, no, no, this is just the next day and it's the same show. Um, yeah, so uh, you know, it's, it's, today is the next day. Um, I walked in, I rang the doorbell. Early, you're, how old is Early? 10. Answered the door, let myself and Jack in. You didn't even come downstairs for like another 10 minutes. So I'm just like, I'm like a, a part of the furniture now. I'm like, <laughs> whoa, I'm just like hanging out in the house. There's no one here. Well, I, you didn't. <laughs> you you didn't usually you text me you say I'm kind of coming I'll be over this time and so I wasn't like front of my I knew you were coming but I wasn't like paying attention to the minutes I was like I think I was three minutes early and, anyway so and Izzy and Ari and I were watching something about it was like 10, th- 10 amazing things that'll happen in the by twenty fifty oh yeah. oh nice you know kind of these YouTube things and yeah we were just kind of watching I kind of glanced at my watch I'm like I got you know I got seventeen minutes I could shower but I'm not the best at time management uh, it's fine I mean. I, it's nice. If it's nice to be that welcomed into a into a home. So, <laughs> well, it's nice to finally have a house big enough that you know people don't walk straight into your uh, master bathroom or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's big enough that people can come around and be in your house. And you're not exactly sure where they are. You you're know? like it's, the Great Gatsby. I that would be nice. Not quite that big. <laughs> I, I I think you totally exaggerate the the size of the house on the show. It, it's just uh, in comparison to a condo, it seems. Well, it's a lot. I mean, basically, this is the kind of house that they have in a sitcom, right? A little bit smaller than the the average sitcom house. You know how you're saying like a sit a sitcom like fr- well, this is bigger than Friends. Well, I don't know. It's bigger than Friends. <laughs> you know bigger. what I mean? That's in a condo. But I mean, like, say for example, Roseanne or something like that. It's way bigger than those houses. Those houses are tiny. The they have like one. They have like one family room, dining room area. They barely even have a dining room, and then they have a kitchen. That's all they have. Oh yeah, okay. Cosby okay. Show, Family Ties. Those houses are small. You was you were, but in a previous show you said whenever they show a house, it's huge. Oh oh, so like <laughs> on the outside. So on the outside, I, I think our house looks small, modest. I but mean, that, it looks it looks like you wouldn't look at it and go, "That's a big house." Yeah, you would go, "That looks oh, that's a nice." craftsman house right you know you wouldn't but it's, it's a lot bigger inside than you get in you're like oh this is actually kind of 
It's like a tar- it's like a TARDIS, right? It's like outside it's small, but then they go inside it and it's, it's huge quite, and it's, it's got really high ceilings. That's all I'm saying. Like your house is at least as big as the sitcoms as you used to describe them in previous shows when you said they were huge inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you know, I well, well what I, I think so. There's a couple different conversations, but one is in movies and TV shows, especially in movies, they always have high ceilings. Yeah. Right. In the real, in reality, people often have low ceilings, and they f- you feel much more claustrophobic and enclosed. And um, and and the houses, the way houses are in movies, they're just like, oh man, it would be amazing to live in a space like that. But when you walk into one's house, nobody lives like that. Nobody right. has a house that nice or that interesting. I mean, they're not giant houses on the movies, but the way that they're the laid out, you're just like, oh, yeah. you know. But then I was also the other conversation was about how like, you know, you would see these shows. Or in movies, like here's a nice middle class house, and you're like, was, that house would cost about three point two million. Yeah, in Pasadena. Exactly. That's and you're my like, point. Yeah. And dad, dad is a lawyer, and mom does is a teacher. There's absolutely zero chance that they're living there. Right. You know, I see that all the time in movies. You're like, give me. I mean, maybe if they were living in like, you know, or if it was a, like a legacy home from their fam, from their parents or something. More often, I think it's like they live in we don't know where, and it's like so. Yeah. It's definitely not in like on the West Coast or you know something like that. Yeah. But um. One thing I want to you see that you know the house next door, the giant, the giant one that looks like a ship. The so with this behemoth, it is a it is a cement behemoth. Yeah, it looks like it almost to me looks like some people like talk about like an aircraft carrier or something. I, to me, it looks like you know when you see um like uh, that hood that goes over like film cameras and people are, like on a, on oh, a set. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like the front of that looks like a hood. And it, anyway, it's, it's gigantic. So we went. We were invited to go to uh, a party. They had a party. Um, like a, I think the the um, the guy lives there was having his 60th birthday party, and so they had this huge, yeah, you know, thing. And so they invited us over, which was nice. So we went over there, and and we got a little tour of the house. And it is shocking how little actual livable space there is. Like it was like there's like this front entrance way, which was sort of weird because it wasn't like an entrance way that you would actually exist in much. It was sort of like here's a. So it's just a really big, it's for effect. I don't know. You know, like, like when you walk into the Natural History Museum, it's just like that huge big entrance. This with entrance a big area whale. that you come into and you're like, okay, so this is, well, I don't know what the word, what the, what the, what that term of that, uh, I'm not really, I'm not big on like, I'm not, I'm not an expert at like terminology for houses, yeah. size, but it's the entrance room. It's, it's the foyer, what do they call it? The foyer, foyer, foyer. Foyer, yeah. Maybe. And then, but then it's just hallways and then the kitchen was just, it was like this little nook off the side of a hallway. It was like an extended hallway. Wow. And then it was just stairs that went upstairs and stairs went down to some basement area. And then it went into a back area, which was just sort of like an, an like, a, like a mirror image of the front that just opened up into the backyard. And you're like, what the hell? Ha- where's all the space? That's crazy. Like, there's no living space Because here. it really looks huge. It I mean, does. it looks much bigger than this house. It has much. But yet it has way less living space. I would say the downstairs has like about as third as much living space as we That's have. That's weird, isn't which it? Which is is very strange. Anyway, just goes but to show you. It even looks very strange because you've got this beautiful street with all these craftsman houses and then there's this one big one that looks like oh. this spaceship. Well, believe me, all the na- <laughs> like we moved in. And we're I don't know in- how they how they got planning permission. Well, so whenever there's a debate at the city council level about um, preventing that kind of thing from happening, they show that house. This yeah. is what we do not want to happen to historic Pasadena. <laughs> that, you know, so people on the street are obviously really upset about it. You know, I mean, the people are kind of over it because it's been around for a few years. Yeah. They're not over it, but they just have vented a lot about it. So when we moved in, we were invited to, by some neighbors um, 
you know, they've been, who've lived here for like 40 years, an older couple, and they had, they invited a, a, some other neighbors and they were just kind of, vent, you know, going off. How did it, how did it get past them? I have no idea. All I know is that the guy, uh, he really nice guy. He, yeah. but he uh, is a, um, is like a, uh, industrial commercial, uh, architect. So he, he does architecture for commercial That's buildings. That's what he does. So, so he makes houses that have barely any limited no, no, space. No, 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 not houses. <laughs> like, like he's just like for, for more, uh, for offices, offices. Or well, then no wonder he made a house that you can't live in. Anyway. So it's very, it was very, <laughs> uh, very strange. Um, so let's. Uh, I had. A, I made a list of some things I wanted to. Um, Wait, I thought you wanted to talk about my my. Uh, oh right, uh, so Omi Say Go T-shirt. So you have your Omigis. OMG to the Moon T-shirt that I'm wearing. Yeah. So what? So so my my you... fourteen thousand investment that's now worth about two and a half thousand. Wow, like that's that's a living, right? <laughs> oh my god. What the what? So what, do you, do you, do just you... don't listen to my investment advice. Mainly that. I mean, it's not advice, but my investment musings. Don't listen. Well, I, I, I say I, I was telling Phil that too. I said, well, I'm going to invest in it, but you know, when 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 Justin is investing, that's peak, that's market <laughs> like that. He is hitting the top. Time to get out. <laughs> probably <laughs> like <true. he's, laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably it. true. Oh, well. Um. So I'm, I'm there with you though. I, 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 I let you. Uh, well, I'm still going to hold on to it. Like I still. It, well, you got no choice now. I mean, yeah. you, could, you could sell out now. Well, no, you do have choice. No, I, it, that would be really silly to sell now. Actually, not really. I mean, a friend of mine... Um, what? Lose it? I mean, that's... You're just locking in a loss, but the reality is... Like 95 It may never come back, loss. and it may just dwindle down to, you know, 300 bucks at some point, and you're just like, <sighs> oh, I could have had $2,000, which is real money, right? You talk about how you want to buy this electronic music equipment it's like you could just sell that yeah, by yeah no i'm not i'm not it's gonna. called it's, a, it's so it's so what happens at trading is people will just hold on to losses and not and they feel like they haven't realized the loss I mean, of course the loss is real it's just in that account not to another account yep you know um i mean that's the thing is like when you lose money so like if you go from 10,000 to 2,000 you say well you know you lost 80% of the value but for that for that to get back up to 10,000 that has to 5x Right, oh. and the chance that that's going to happen to you. Well, to there is there is something. I mean, so you know, if 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 Amisei Go does do what they're supposed to be doing, which is to create this um this dex, and then you get dividends on the the exchanges. Like they're still doing what they're doing. Like nothing's changed. It's just that the whole market's plummeted. So owning those tokens in theory should still get you dividends, and the dividends should be still be pretty good. So. And then if those dividends are good, then the price will go back up independently of Bitcoin and, uh, you know, Ethereum. It'd just be its own thing. But we're not seeing it act independently. It's We're not seeing it act independently yet because it's not released. They're still building it. Yeah. They're still building now it, the, still the, making the it, one, still marketing it. The one concern about it, though, is that if you have a bunch of people working on it when we're in a bull market and everybody's really excited and there's heady times, and all of a sudden if everybody's investment, because you fear most of people working on it probably bought a lot of me ago, right? They just kind of get really depressed about it, and they're just like, "Ah, screw it." Well, you know, it's funny you should say that because there was a thread on the Reddit, on the Mexico Reddit, that a very large chunk from the original people exited at about um, when it was worth about five, five bucks. So exactly what you just said. Yeah, a lot of them are just like, "Screw <laughs> it, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take." It's, it's a possibility, yeah. And then I'm, I'm off to something else. So that, so that's the problem. That's I think kind of what. Um, you know, Elon Musk was talking about taking Tesla private because you have these wild oscillations and the stock price is very distracting, you know? Yeah. And if it goes up, of course, people get really excited. That's great, you know? 
um, you know, you could lose people at some point because they're like, hey, I've made so much money. I'm, I'm, I'm going to cash out. But if it goes down, people become really kind of depressed and disillusioned. He, was, and that he can probably wasn't it. really thinking about that when he first IPO'd and, you know, it was like, what, 30 bucks or something. And he was just doing it to get some extra cash at that specific time. But then it's just ended up being such a major part of his life now. Well, I think part of the thing is, is I don't, I don't know if he could have anticipated that it would be so... Uh, such a massively shorted stock yeah. that he'd be fighting the short sellers and that would be always under attack in that way. I mean, I think he probably thought, well, you know, right, we're going to be an interesting company and they'll we'll, we'll probably grab some headlines because of that. But I think he's felt like he's been in this constant fight with the short sellers. But like, what do short sellers do other than just, like, give you bad juju? I mean, what, like, do they actually, like, hurt your company? I mean... Uh, well, they can depress, they depress the stock price, that's for sure. But, like... They, why if you, does it if you, matter if the stock price is up or down if you're just running the company you're making revenues like what actually does it matter all right so let's say let's say that you join tesla the stock price is a hundred dollars and you have a bunch of stock options at it you know hundred you know dollars okay mm -hmm. and so you'll exercise as they vest for the next four to five years you 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 in your you're granted these stock options and you determine whether to buy them to vest them if they go if the thing goes down to like thirty bucks because it's short sold, it's short sold or do, doesn't go up. It just hovers around eight nine bucks. So your stuff's underwater. Your equity isn't worth crap. So that and so incentivizes or disincentivizes employees. That's, yeah, that's you're an employee. One you're just effect. like you know you're going to be a hell of a lot less excited about your future at Tesla. You might be just like, well, this had been awesome had I been you know been you know I think this is a great really exciting company and Elon Musk is is he's a really amazing you know CEO or whatever I want to be part of this whole thing and yeah you know you 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 kind of plan well we're gonna be able to buy a house we'll do these things because Tesla's gonna take off and I'll be able to you know you know exercise my options and things like that if that stuff goes out the window and you're just like you know you you have less faith that's gonna happen because the stock price is, is hovering low yeah. Then you're going to try less hard. You might be looking for you another might be job. For the job or... And then if that's happening for everyone in the company, does does other things happen? Like um, the people who are like the who are like really down on it, do they actively do things like talk to suppliers and to, and, tr and and try and tell them, oh, you shouldn't like do business with? No, Tesla. no. But what like, they can do, well, I'll see a lot of these big short sellers are have a me media presence their media presence yeah. they get interviewed on forbes and fortune cnbc wall street journal they write op-eds they get interviewed all the time and if they're if they're constantly down talking the company you know this you know this sort of the with the spreading of fud fear uncertainty and doubt that yeah. affects things so, you, so then it might be harder for them to get to tesla to get a line of credit for example well, the stock price goes down. The stock price goes down. The company looks less stable, looks less valuable. People, you, everything is more difficult, mm -hmm. right? If you're if you're if your stock price is way up, you have more capital. People have more faith in you. You have a lot more positive press. People are getting behind you. It's, it's a lot. It's a, it's a positive feedback loop. But if your if your stock price is is depressed, it's a negative feedback cycle. And then the more it goes down, the the more people want to jump on and sell it short, right? And you get more people. Right, mm. it was a negative feedback cycle. Yeah, right? and it's a really frustrating thing for a company that's trying to to do something transformative. Yeah, to be f not only fighting against everything else that's trying to keep this from happening, because we have a lot of entrenched interests, entrenched interest in inertia that are built into how the car economy works now. You're fighting against all that and against the, just the general difficulty of building a company and building new technology, and now you got to fight 
this headwind of all these major short sellers. And short sellers aren't generally mom and pops. They're major hedge funds run by, you know, with tens of billions of dollars in capital. I was, there. I was watching Elon. Um, there was a, a guy interviewing him and he was showing him around the factory, around the, the, the Tesla 3 factory. It's like, he, does, he does quite a few interviews with like podcasters and YouTubers and things mm-hmm. like that. And so they're walking around the factory and um, first of all, it's amazing. Like the factory is just amazing. Like the whole thing, everything. But there's one point where he's he's talking about, I don't know, the business model and the business. And um, uh, Elon kind of looks surprised. He's, he's like, he's like, this, this market is competitive. In fact, he's like, he looks up in the air and it's almost like a sense of like shock to him, his own self. You just, you just can't believe how competitive this market is. You can't believe how tight the margins are. Almost like he's saying to himself, it's like a lament. It's like, oh my God, like I wish I was doing PayPal. I wish I was yeah. doing with it, these high margin businesses. This is such a low margin business and so competitive. It's unbelievable. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely right. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I think one of the reasons that you would do interviews with these podcasters and YouTubers, probably they're probably going to be a little easier on him. Right. Oh, yeah, and like, right, so, yeah. so CNBC is going to come in and they're going to probably be a little more skeptical and all and, and give it a little, a little more hard, a little harder, give them a harder time. But also CNBC and some of these things, they don't necessarily have huge viewership. I mean, you definitely have a targeted people in the finance industry tend to watch it as sort of their junk news, you know, sort of their fast food is watching CNBC or, or, or it's or similar shows, similar uh, networks. But if you if you watch if you watch if there's a YouTube interview with him, I mean, there's an interview. The, how, how many? It gets millions of hits. Oh, millions, yeah, That's millions. Great. So it's like you probably even have a similar or greater um, reach by getting a, a a good YouTube interview than having CNBC or Wall Street Journal show up and want to do a profile. It makes sense. It makes sense. Another lament he had was when they got to. It was a really good actually interview. It's like thirty minutes long. See the whole factory, but when they get to General Assembly. And he's like talking, he's like, look, you know, and he's basically talking like, he's like, oh, why did I try and get robots to do this stuff? Like, what a waste of time. He's gonna, he did say that? He could, basically, that's what he's saying in his face and his gestures. And he's saying, you know, he's saying robots are just useless at these kind of tasks and we're just kind of wasted time, you know. But he's, he's saying like, like, for example, like when, you know, a gasket comes in and you've got to plug a tube into it. It's like, okay, we don't make the gaskets. So they come in in a box and you just don't know whether it's going to be up, down, sideways, left or right. And so then the robot's got to open the box. It's got to pull the gasket out. doesn't know which way it is. It's got to orient it. Then it's got to find the tube, which is also in some other packaging, which is really difficult. Then it's got to like plug them together. And he's like, it's just like, just takes 10 seconds for a human. You know, it's just so mm-hmm. easy. And then he's, he's like, the other thing that's really easy for humans is to do things like get under cars, pull wires through it. Like that is so difficult to automate. It's like you could just spend two years getting a robot to just try and plug a pipe into a gasket, you know? Yeah. So he's like general assembly, you know, he's like that, that's where it's at. Like a lot of good stuff happens there. So, you know, that's one thing I always, like when I've, when I have like done some consulting for companies and they've asked me about, automation and AI and stuff because I've had a little bit of background in that yeah. area and they want to, people always want to talk about that. And then was my, my, what I always tell them is like, look, you want humans to do what humans are good at and computers to do what computers are good at. Humans are smart and slow. Computers are fast and dumb, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great, oh, that's a great way. That should be a, a show title right there. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. So, so, the, <laughs> yeah. so you, you, you got to figure out 
what are things that are that you can that the computer can do best and have the computer do anything that it can do that's that's sort of dumb and repetitive and so rather than thinking of artificial intelligence i think of it as sort of like um you know intelligent augmentation you know, it's it's like you want to tech enable humans. You want to just automate all the dumb crap that humans have to do. And that's why whenever I'm talking to Alex, who's my director of content, and I'm like, what are you doing repetitively? What do yeah. you do all the time? Which I'm always like, optimize the inner loop. And I and, and sometimes it's hard for people to think about what they do every day because it's just so like it, it's, it's just like ingrained. It's the habit. And they realize, oh, you you do this like 25 times a day. You click on this, open this, look at this. How many times a day do you do that? And it's not just the doing of the action, it's the disruption to your mental or your thought process. Yeah. It's just boring or annoying en enough that things refresh and load that it makes you kind of not want to do it, you know? It's like, how can we re just remove that and, and automate things? It just goes layers of automation. So you just want to say like, you just want to tech enable the shit out of things. Like that is the road to success in most cases um you know it's like it's like in automated trading we're back in that world so we there were there was a sort of like two paths that you you'd have one path would be you'd have someone come in and say hey you know i have a background in in uh, machine learning or physics or financial engineering and we're going to do is we're going to hire all these phds in computer science and math and we're going to use we're going to get buy all this expensive data and we're going to just throw a bunch of really slick cutting edge algorithms and we're going to just out predict the market and they must always fail and but what does work is you have some company or some traders who are like they figured out they figured out some tricks like okay like this basically works and then they start automating things automate they, the tricks they so, automate and i've yeah. seen that in a couple different contexts a few different contexts where i've seen companies automate different aspects of it and we're turning a billion dollar companies handful of traders because they're like oh wow like instead of like one trader can trade three or four or five different stocks or futures, whatever, you know, until so we got to hire a hundred different traders to do this. We can still, we can automate enough of this. So we still have three traders, but we're, we, we, we have massive leverage. It's a mm. force multiplier. Yeah. So yeah. I always like to think in terms of that, you know, like, and that's why, and I think that's where we see, you know, we keep talking about artificial intelligence. It's going to do all these amazing things. And, but it's sort of like nuclear fusion. It's this thing that never comes to pass, this true yeah. artificial intelligence. But the machine learning, what's generally termed machine learning is these repetitive tasks that we kind of just automate. That's a little more sophisticated than writing a bunch of if-then rules, you know, mm -hmm. and hand coding something. Well, do this, this, and this. It might be a little more, a little trickier than that. So you, you run some, you know, deep learning, whatever on it and come up with something. But I yeah. think that's, I think it's just going to be layers and layers. I think at least for the foreseeable future, I don't know if we're talking 15 years or 150 years, we're going to keep just building layers of better automation at dumb yeah, tasks. Yeah, it's always just the layer. Uh, uh, what was that? Oh, there was some, I think it was, it was, I think it was the same video, um, the same, the same interview, but they did like a little animated sequence, like. Elon was talking about like that they were saying, you know, when's this going to be ready? When's that going to be ready? And he was talking about the cycle and he gave this example of like, look, think about mobile phones, you know, like they were, they were out and then there were huge big bricks and then you iterate and then you iterate and then you iterate. And now look at what we've got. Like it's so far away from the original one and it just takes, it just takes generation upon generation of like learning and advancement to get to that like this yeah. kind of iPhone. So that's kind of what you're talking about. It's like that ongoing iteration where it just gets better and better and better. And like, before you know it, we'll have something that's, well, not before you know it, but at, in some time, 
it will be pretty good. You it's know? sort of like a bottom up versus a top down approach. Yeah, you might yeah, frame it yeah, that way. Yeah, it's it's also like we talked about you know earlier in the show yesterday <laughs> about <laughs> releasing. So you have a quantum of utility, you want to release it because then you can start improving the technology at a very low level, removing all the obvious pain points. But if you come from top down, you don't you're not really well acquainted with the true pain points. Yeah, you know yeah, you're kind of guessing. You're guessing. Yeah. You're kind of outside of it. And I always like you know when I would talk to traders about this is like you kind of want to get inside the trade you need you can't just look at data you actually have to trade and feel the pain of loss right like oh sh you know shit i did this that was stupid you got to make a bunch of mistakes because you start mm. to you I start know what that feels like you know i 14,000 to 2,500 <laughs> I, I feel that pain yeah yeah, yeah. i haven't you, learned very much though but anyway <laughs> but if there's but if there's if you're actually trading some strategy and i think of trading as sort of like a distilled you know version of any type of business process right trading it's, cu it's cutting out the middleman it's just it's just you and money it is the purest <laughs> simplest thing of a yeah. transaction yeah. which everything i can you could say could boil down and business could boil down to a transaction that, a buyer yeah. and seller yeah. uh, you know and all and so i just look at it in terms of that as and and so um, but you would have to, in any particular trading strategy, you'd get and say, well, when this happens, this happens, I'm going to do this. It's like, okay, well, you need to trade it in all different types of contexts and you got to figure out, you, but you got to suffer through it. You got to be, you got to really get inside it. You can't just sit out, sit outside the trade and think abstractly, well, we're on the statistics on it and 82% of the time this happens. And it's like, that's, that stuff like, you know, I'm not saying it never works, but it is really hard to get working. And the people I've known, friends of mine, like James Thomas, who was on here, who guys who've spent their lives now. Is, is doing this stuff at a very high level they're just like amen to that like yeah <laughs> like that's exactly that the, the top down shit does like you know fade that all day like hey says hey we raised 10 million dollars and we're just like good luck yeah <laughs> good luck with that i mean <laughs> sounds great i it sounds like neat if you get it well we got this big artificial just swarm and we've pushed all these supercomputers all this day we're gonna adjust <laughs> those data you're like Go that sounds it. really cool but I, the chances of that succeeding is, is kind of is not super high you know Anyway, um, so speaking of, oh, let's see, I got a couple, I got to segue this two different ways. I'm going to segue, do you want to stay on money or do you want to stay on the future? Uh, either, They're, I like okay. both of those things. Actually, this is money and the future. Okay. Let's talk about MV Code Club. Oh, nice. Okay. So I haven't given an update on that in a while. Yeah. So I was talking to Doug yesterday about it. So now we have five locations. Um, Sweet. What's interesting though, is we've discovered that we thought it cost, I, I probably shouldn't give real numbers out. Just You thought it cost X. I kind of call it X to open a, a new, to get it, to open, not to open it, but to get to point where it's break even. Yeah. That's what we call the true cost, right? You could say, well, you know, buying computers and the build out and the marketing and the signage, all the stuff paid for. That's not the true cost. The cost is how long are we paying instructors and lease and for the lease and everything before we have enough kids in there that we're actually covering costs. Because if you don't, guess what? You're writing checks for that. Mm -hmm. That's a cost. So, turns out it's less than half of that. Once, less than half of what you expected. Once you figure out what the hell you're doing. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, what took like four to six weeks to get a lease takes a, like a day now. Like we know exactly, okay, you know, we want three months first free rent, rent. We want this built out. We need Wi-Fi. You know, like you, you they do that stuff now. We didn't realize to ask for that stuff and we were like, you're kind of really timid and you're just trying to get into space. Now it's like, nope, this is what we want. And all that stuff, 
let's say you don't have to pay your lease for the first three months. Guess what? That's when we know. All of a sudden, that's a that's a big deal. It's yeah. huge because that's what costs us money. Yeah. You know, and yeah. now they have, and now I guess they're paying for build out stuff. They're paying for Wi Fi. They're paying for new carpet and paint. They're paying for all this stuff that now used to cost us a bunch of money. Right. right. And, and I, the analogy I was looking at is like, you know, when you play like a new sport or you go skiing or playing tennis, whatever, and you're, let's say you're doing it with somebody who's kind of an expert at it and you're just sweating and sore and like, oh, so hard. And they're like, not even <laughs> out of breath. They're like, what are you? Because yeah. you're, you're exerting all this extra energy because you're so inefficient. Yeah. With your movement, you don't, you haven't learned. You're just straining and just, rah, you know, it's like trying to keep your balance <laughs> or keep, you know, and that person's like, just relax, just do this. But it takes a lot of time to learn the efficient, um, the efficiency, right? And I think that's kind of similar here. So it's much more expensive earlier on than it is going forward because we're learning this stuff. But that also is another reason why it's a, a benefit of bootstrapping. Because let's say we went out and we raised a few million dollars. Let's say we, we, we things were really well. We got lucky. We got some bites. And they said, oh, yeah, we believe in MV Code Club. We got a few million dollars. We don't have to learn efficiency, right? Yeah. Because we don't learn to negotiate because we just wash our problems away with the money hose. Like, you have to suffer and about every nickel and dime. Every screw up hurts. Yeah. Because yeah, that's, they, that's so true. You know, and it's like, because they're these, you know, one of our competitors, Ucode, with, and I say competitors in that, not we're actually competing. It's like we're a fishing boat in the Atlantic and they're a fishing boat in the Caribbean. You know, we've heard of them. You know, there, there's a couple here in Southern California. I know of them because that was um, the guy who started to kick that off here. He was an entrepreneur residence at Idea Lab, was trying to pull me in to, to work yep. on it with it. And I turned him down because I said, look, I, I'm still too wrapped up in Uber at the moment. And, uh, you know, I met the other, the founder, because they ended up putting money behind and kind of partnering with uh, an existing coding club called uh, called you code and i met the founder there smart guy really into it and they had one or two locations and then they went and raised i think like a few million bucks and they went up to like four lo four or five loca four locations and then they went back down to like two or three after like years it's been like three or four years now that's interesting so they haven't been able to to like scale it in the same way and i think what happened you know, i have no idea like your speculation but you get a bunch of money Right, you get the board seats to some VCs. What do they want to do? They just wanted they wanted to go big or go home, basically. Go, go scale, right? Yeah. So we're just gonna like, oh, we should do this. We should. So they have all these without any knowledge because they've never done it, thing like this themselves, probably, right? Or they're they're or at least what they what they're comparing it to doesn't really apply. And they say, oh, we should do this. We should do that. And oh, hire this person. You know, she's really smart at strategy. Hire this guy. He's really smart at this. They hire these hire expensive people to spend a lot of time talking about competitive strategy and scaling and growth. And so they waste a lot of money on that. You okay? Careful, sweetheart. Yikes. Wow. Yeah, those stairs can be a little dangerous. Guys, be careful. Hold Jack's hand going down those stairs, guys. Promise is just if you're in socks. They're, they're barefoot. They're fine. It's where Scott is. She's socks. You okay? It was Jack. Okay. Um, because uh, yesterday he fell down the stairs and I just grabbed him. So that's why I'm like worried. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so you hire all these expensive people. Yeah. And their ideas don't work because they're top down. Right. It's top down strategy. You know, that's what Georgie's always talking about. Top down versus so, uh, top bottom up versus top down. Like that's how kids learn. Kids learn bottom up, not top down. But we try and 
teach kids top down, but you are teaching bottom up with Math Academy. As much as possible, yeah, yeah bottom up, yeah. trying and um, learn it yourselves, get inside whatever you're doing, yeah. uh, build up real experience with it. Don't just try and come with these top down pronouncements. This is how things are. I, do, I don't think it's people talk about this stuff, but it's hard for people to put that stuff into practice. Anyway, every context, especially in business, I think every context is so different. The world is changing. Um, you know, you might be able to, these people might be really smart and accomplished, but whatever lessons that they had learned in these sort of neighboring industries didn't apply, probably. And so whatever their initiatives were, their marketing initiatives were, their, whatever didn't work. And they, and they grew too fast before they had figured Only out. The thing is, does it really matter? Because if something comes out of Idea Lab, I mean, if you look at kind of the Idea Lab business model, like they just kind of have a billion dollar business every 10 years. <laughs> like, what, are the, what does the rest of them matter? Oh, well, like, yeah, it's like <laughs> Paul Grams is like, you know, you look at their black swans, you know, their, right. their stripes and Airbnbs and Dropboxes. It's like that dwarfs all the other, everything else could just kind of go away and they, that would still be successful. And that's the same VC model, right? They have yeah. their, um, but for the founder, it sucks. Oh, it completely... Completely. So sucks. he, yeah. I mean, again, no inside information, total speculation. I'm guessing he gets these people on board. They, he sort of, they're saying, hey, here's what we think you should do. He agrees, hey, that makes sense. I hire these people, spend money on this stuff. We're going to kind of go big. It sounds exciting. And then it stops working. And you realize that on a, on a location by location basis, you're losing money. You start burning a lot. You realize we just got to shut some down. You know, it's kind of. But was the founder kind of small and scrappy like Doug? I mean, was he like that and then got sucked into VC world or was he just yeah, no, something he was different? Yeah, he was a coder. Yeah. He was a coder. He was a really smart guy. Um, he was really into it. I just think that um, once you get in a situation where you have a, a VCs and a bunch of money, you know, professional money, you kind of lose. There's nothing you can do. You kind of lose. You, 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 you may still have control at that level because it's only been like one major round of funding. But there's a lot of things. It's a lot to fight against if everybody's saying, hey, we really, it's time to get, grab this money go big. Like, like getting a songwriting go. deal, like like getting a music deal, you know, like you you're then you're then owned by the the record label. Yeah, basically. I mean, you probably can fight against it for a while, but I'm just saying most people probably don't. They listen because hey, I'm not a business expert. I'm a coder, and I developed this curriculum, and I got a code, and I scrapped up a coding a school, and one or two, and they're like, great, okay, look, listen to the adults now. Look and listen to the professionals in marketing and real estate and finance, and this is how you grow a thing like that. And he's like. Okay. And by the way, you need to do some other marketing initiatives to appeal to slightly different, bigger audiences. And then this doesn't work. And now he's like, oh, shit. So, because Col Colby did a U-Code course, two U-Code courses, I think, this summer, or at least one. And I went to drop him off. And I, I was kind of like, interested. I'm like, let's see how this goes. And, you know, it was kind of funny sending Colby to a competitor, even mm -hmm. though I, a competitor is sort of not a fair thing to say, considering we're not actually competing. Yeah. But I was curious. There are like four kids there. Mm. In the hall. It was like a, it was like a crypto, it was like a, it was a crypto mining camp. One week camp. Was the, was and the, was the content any good? Um, Kobe, that was kind of boring because he spent a lot of time talking about the history of money and crypto stuff. And I think he was kind of bored by that. He just wanted he to, wants to do, he wanted to build his crypto, crypto mining machine and wanted to <laughs> write stuff. He didn't want to sit there and, he didn't want to listen to lecture the history of, and theory of money. He made it kind of boring. I mean, not that you should probably shouldn't, not that it's not worth having a couple conversations like that. Maybe there was just too much of it. Do it afterwards. Start getting stuck in and then start saying, you know this thing you're using? Do you want, do you want to know where that comes from? And then they're yeah. like, yeah. 
Because even I've, I've even noticed that with Jack, that's a good way to teach him. You can, and but you got to keep it short. I think for kids, there's summer yeah. camp, and I just didn't listen to lectures. Yeah. Um, put a pin in that because I want to I want to pick up that thread in a minute, but okay. <laughs> I want to stay on this target for now. So I was talking. Oh, and there's another competitor. Uh, let's say another entrant in the space coming into Chicago called Codeverse. Yeah. And they have they raised ten million in fund, seed funding. Ten million. And if you look at their clubs, they look like. It looked like a, a like a discotheque from like 2030 or something. Like you look at it, it's like, or you know, space 2001 is Space Odyssey. It's like this crazy built out, like you know, crazy colors and custom desks and fancy monitors, all this bullshit. And I'm just looking at that, going, "That's a fail. That's a fail. That's a fail." Because, well, you, what do you think? I'll, I'll tell you why I think it's gonna fail. Well, I I've just got the comparable story when when we started with Modern Teacher and then Amplify came out with. I can't remember something Klein from New York. They they raised a hundred million to basically do the same thing that we were doing, you know, and we were just like starting. And I see now that I mean, they are completely dead. Like they good they went nowhere. They spent money on so many crazy things. And, you know, it they just didn't focus on the the core mission. They didn't learn the business. They, they didn't did, they weren't inside the trade. They didn't have to learn the real business because yeah. they were there was so much money in the way between themselves and the truth. Yeah, it was. It's like there's money between you and the pain. Yeah. Therefore, there's money great. between you and the truth. And That's if you don't way. know the truth, you can't steer in the right direction. This show could have so many amazing titles. Like there's money between you and the truth. Then like <laughs> humans, are, humans are uh, uh, smart but slow. Computers are fast but dumb. And then quantum of utility. Well, I think these should be blog posts. Maybe <laughs> I mean, maybe I should start writing. I haven't read a blog post in like seven years. Maybe I should write. Yeah, something. yeah, do it. So bring people into math academy. Or you can write, write no, something. No, no, go for it. Uh, so anyways, so we're looking at that and I was just cracking up watching. I thought you were talking. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited about competing against them because they're just going to like, <laughs> they're going to total face plant out the front door because here's the reality. Parents of kids who might, who, who might send their kids, parents who might send their kids to this kind of thing, don't give a shit no. about your fancy colors and your discotheque look and stuff. Their parent, parents are like, oh, so this is like, so our son or daughter wants to do some programming thing. You're looking around, what, what's available? Oh, I saw this thing up the street. Oh, it's kind of, so it looks clean. Got some computers in there. It looks like some nice, you know, you know, ace instructors in there with their little coding t-shirts. Good, good enough. Oh, I could drop them off for an hour and a half and I can go pick up the sister from gymnastics or go run uh, an errand to the store. They seem like they're actually, and then, and then, and then they come home and maybe dad, who's like a, a nerd himself, is like, what are they learning? And they look like, it's, oh, okay, learning that. Okay, good, good. And that's all the thought they put to it. Like, how much is it? Okay, it's in the ballpark of like what you'd expect. Is it a conveniently located? Can I park? The kids seem to have a good time. Done. I'd like, love to see that pitch deck from those guys. What's Codeverse? Yeah, so I got I got some somebody who had seen it or something. Or I heard somebody who had seen talked to somebody else who had seen it, and they they, they spent like this extraordinary amount on, on their per location build out. And I'm like, that's just that's horrible because what they're going to do is they're just going to waste all their money on on these on, on stuff that doesn't matter. How did that How did that amount compare to your amount? Oh, it just dwarfed. Just, just it was laughing. Shouldn't It's, I mean, it's, I was like, oh, it that sucks is for them. so awesome. I'm so happy you're doing that because, well, I mean, I feel bad because it's just kind of dumb but, and well, no, waste but money. In, but in I'm glad sense, I'm not threatened by it. I'm just like, okay, well. But in one sense, it's good because that level of attention will bring people into the it'll, into the awareness. Like it'll, it'll get into people's awareness, and then they'll be looking 
when they go belly up, they'll be looking at, oh, okay, what's, oh, I really want to do that for my kid. And then they'll Maybe. find MV Code Club and be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, could we be. got it. We got it. Could be, but you know, I, I don't know if it'll have that impact or not. But I just, I'm not, I'm not threatened by them, and I'm just kind of like, wow, that's dumb. That is really dumb. But apparently, the I think there's a woman who's like the CEO face, and she's like some has some, she has some uh, success in the mar- as a, in marketing and tech in tech or something and they they put on amazing they put together a beautiful deck and they wove their amazing dreams about what they're going to do and you know it kind of wowed the investors and so they bought into it so you know but that's the thing you know if you haven't gone uh, gone and sort of had to actually turn a profit in this space you wouldn't realize that you got to get your cost down you talk about like elon musk like it's, it's margin there like you there is there's only a certain amount that people are going to pay there's only some people going to fit in the space there are physical limitations on the this the in the cost of what you the, can you know what lease. suckers people into it is amazon like so basically you look at amazon's story and you think loss yeah loss 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 and there's a few other ones like like amazon where it's just year after year after year of loss and growth and then all of a sudden one day boom Everything works. And I just think that they're all suckered by this. They're all suckered by, oh, it's that's that's what the VC thing is. Like, that's what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to lose. Like, I bet you if you're you're having a conversation with these people, they'd be like, Yep, you're spo- we're supposed to lose money for the first few years. Yeah, build yeah. a brand and yeah. I yeah, just think it's build grab market share, grab market share, lose money. But the reality <laughs> is that Yeah, but then your next round is all based on your how much money you're making. How much your growth. And if you're not really growing, it's based and, on acquisition. Is it based on no? It's it's based on acquisition, user acquisition. How many users are you acquiring? But they're also going to look and see if it's a money losing or money, or if it's if it's ultimately a profitable thing or potentially a profitable thing. And if it's not, you know, the next round is going to be like you can sell the dream early on, but you have to sell a real business later. I mean, they're going to be a little more. They're going to look and say, okay, well, you have X number of locations. How much are you spending on each location? How much are you may losing? How what you know? It convinced me that this is going to be turned to a profitable business. Another I mean, thing with you and MV Code Club is because you've done five now, because you're kind of focused really tightly, like you really focus on everything you do. Like, I, I bet you that just the whole thing is scaled. Like you're just scaling the software. You're scaling the way the kids are well, learning. You're scaling the way that they're booking scheduling. You're scaling the way that you're reminding them to turn up and not losing money. Like there's probably every so part of it. I, I would say is scaling. I would say the better term is automating. Yeah, automating, so, so yeah. Doug, Doug's really smart guy. First of all, Doug deserves all the credit. You know, I'm just his chief cheerleader and, you know, sounding board. You know, we call up and <laughs> I'm like, oh, sounds cool. Yeah, do that, you know. <laughs> um, but he just, you know, I think he mostly is just like a big Rails app that runs everything. He just yeah. like, he, I keep, anything he can automate, he automates. Nice. And so a lot of dumb things that you do, like following up with, payments and scheduling and reminding this reminding you know the instructor has to like put in an evaluation at the end of every session for the you know just infinite number of things all this stuff's automated yeah and he does that because hey i don't want to pay x amount of dollars for somebody to mainly do this and probably forget to do it and screw it up and i don't want to do it because it sucks that's right yeah, that's to me. That's the biggest motivator of automating so, stuff. So Doug is just like us. He's a he's a coder by trade. who was a CTO of a company that did well. So he's you know he got an exit from that. So he's 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 and, he, and all the mistakes from that company of raising too much money and doing the wrong things and growing and on using sort of fake growth, but user per, uh, um, you know purchased growth as opposed to you know real growth. Yeah. So he's learned all these lessons and now, but it's his money, right? So now he's like, okay, I'm gonna play this play this intelligently that's another blog post purchase growth versus real growth 
Yeah, fake growth. Well, you know, uh, Sam Altman was talking about that, so I couldn't really uh, <laughs> take any kind of credit for that. But he he's talking a lot about that. Um, I mean, you could always put another spin on it. But um, anyway, so we're talking about the growth of the future. So it looks like, given the, our, our, our efficiencies that we've gained, that we can probably open two locations next year. Mm. And then... If that goes, it probably at least three the year after that. So now, you know, it's like when Kurzweil was talking about, like when when you have an exponential growth, it looks linear at the mm. start because it's so slow. Yeah. So like when the Human Genome Project that they had been doing it for, you know, I don't know how many, it was like 10 years or something and that they were only like 1% done. They'd only sequence like 1% of the genome. And everyone was like, oh my God, like we're never going to get it. And he's like, oh no, we're right on pace. And then like the next year or two like did the whole rest of the genome like because because you're building framework stuff you're building automate as again like as you say automation automation stuff like they're automating it yeah i mean first of all the growth is just so even if you're growing quickly you just have such small small scale that the amount of growth on that dollars if you're making x x amount of return if you're making 20 percent return on a dollar when i get a dollar and 20 cents now I got a dollar and, you know, 50 cents. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just takes forever to see it. And then when it gets bigger, you're like, oh, crap. Like, this is a lot. And in some sort of absolute scale. So, but you're right. Also, you're making mistakes. You're figuring things out. You know, and I think Doug would probably list 100 silly mistakes. Where he's like, ah, that was stupid. Ah, I shouldn't have done this. Ah, we tried this. And he's, he was constantly trying things. You know, he's like, yeah, there's got to be a way to goose this to grow faster. And... But now, once you get to a certain scale, I was telling him, you know, and, he, and I, I, said, I said to him last night, and I said, it's all, growth almost becomes algorithmic. It just becomes an algorithm. He's like, yeah, more or less. Like, once we get to a certain size, not too much, it's almost like, this is what you do. This is how much is... But by the same token, you guys could right now take on money and then go for, you know, go, oh, let's open five locations. You know what I mean? Because you've kind of got a lot, enough information and knowledge on how to do that, right? With the short... With the... um. I guess the 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 what's the what's the word for where something blocks something, the 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 weakest link would the weakest link be managing it, like. Well, I think I think when we get to ten locations, so let's say two years from about two years from now, yeah, year and a half from now, we'll have so two next year in two thousand nineteen. Let's say three in two thousand twenty, and so sometime in two thousand twenty, and we have ten locations. He pointed out, he said, there's two things will happen at that point because A, we'll, have, we'll be making a certain amount of money, which puts us in a different um, a different uh, category and we'll have been in business and profitable for enough time that we can take uh, just bank loans, low interest bank loans for commercial growth because we right. can support it, which means we could take a million dollar loan at, you know, I don't know what X percent interest is be pretty, pretty good interest rate and then we can just grow off debt. Right. So if we go raise a million dollars, you know, then we can go raise a whole bunch of them. Mm. Right. And so we'd have to give up any equity for it. And we have complete control and ownership. Right. But he said also at that time, that's the point where it'd be probably pretty easy to raise equity if we wanted yeah. to. Right. Because when you don't need equity to grow, that's when people want to put but you. But that also maybe. I mean, time. so when you don't need to sell equity to grow, that's when people want to give you their money. Right. So then could that to. also be the time when you could have strategic investment? Like, so some investment that you bring on could actually help you from a marketing perspective or some other interesting business perspective. It's possible. I'm always a little skeptical of that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, people always talk about that kind of, you know, strategic this and I'm like, okay, show me really how this is going to impact. Cause a lot of that stuff is kind of, feels kind of fluffy and bullshit to me. People say this stuff all the time and I'm always, I don't know, but maybe I just don't know enough about it. 
I mean, I'm open to anything. So if he wants to do, if he wants to do that, if he wants to, you know, take sell equity at some point, or he wants to do, I'm fine. Although I've, 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 I've told him many times, I'm totally fine with the slow growth model. You know, because if we grew two next year, three the year after that, and then the year after that, not only even if we didn't take out a loan, let's say we could open four or five. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's just right? still bringing in dividends. And then we, let's say we yeah. we just we said, all right, let's let's not take a million dollars in debt. Let's take a little less, and then let's open um, ten. Yeah, still that's still a huge jump. Oh, so you got to be careful not to grow too fast because yeah. you kind of can screw things up. So I'd rather just like let's do so slow and steady. You know, I don't need, I don't need the money to do something. It's not like, okay, it's like, well, we got to get a bunch of money out here so I can go do this some other thing, mm -hmm. right? Like, let's just make this the slow and steady runs the race. Let's look 10 years down the road. And he's making enough, right? He's, he's making a living now. He actually he? works, he has a job. He actually, so one thing he did, which I thought was really smart about a year ago, he's like, look, he's like, I just keep looking at this and we're, we're, squeezed on capital because I'm paying myself because I have to pay myself a, you know, a, a sizable six figure salary just because he lives in Mill Valley and has a wife and kids and, you know, that kind of thing. And he's like, if we could funnel all this back in or most of this back in, we'd be growing a lot more quickly. And he's like, so I'm thinking I'm going to take a job at uh, you know, a tech startup as a CTO kind of VP of engineering and we'll just hire um, this uh, woman, Kate, who is more our kind of an operate. She's operational and she does. She was she's ran marketing, but now she really kind of is sort of like the COO or something. Mm. I know what her title is, but she kind of runs things. Mm. She's an adult. You know, she's not like some 23 year old person. Who's yeah. Right now, yeah. But, and um, so she's doing a really good job. But that saves us that capital is locations and locations beget more locations, right? Yeah. So any, the more locations we can get, the sooner, the faster we we'll grow. And in, in, in some cases, it would have seemed like, oh, are you giving up to get a job? It was actually a really, really smart thing to do. <laughs> He's always doing a suffocating, the company. I was like, yeah. He's like, because he was worried about telling me. He's like, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm like, definitely do it. <laughs> I tell, and I would actually turn out to be the smart thing to do. Nice. So he's more like, the, you know, I mean, she calls him, you know, and emails him on a regular basis throughout the week. Oh, we're, you know, negotiating this lease or we're doing that. But mostly he's just tries to empower her to do those things. And he just says, all right, strategically, we want to do this or we want to do that. Great. Anyway, I thought that was kind of. Yeah, it's really, really good. Interesting update. Um, so on another thing, I'm just trying to have my list. So of was, that, was that the future or was that money? That is the future and the money, right? Okay. <laughs> the future of MV Co. Club. And um, so. Hey, I watched Oblivion last night. Have you have you seen that? In a I while? have not. No. Have you seen Oblivion? Nope. Really? I have not. That is a good movie. I think that's an underrated movie. Yeah. What's it about? Sci-fi kind of thing. It's, I just yeah. say sci-fi. Tom Cruise. I'd watch it. Okay. I liked it. I where, where, the soundtrack where, where is amazing. Just get it on. Uh, is it on like I, uh, Amazon or Netflix? I think it was on Hulu. It's on really? Hulu okay. free, but it's yeah. but I recommend it. I so I think it's one of the more underrated sci-fi. But Check I like out. Morgan Freeman. I like Tom Cruise. I like, I mean, they had, those are the two big names. Yeah. Um, the soundtrack is amazing. I think the look of it is awesome. But anyway, I, I was just thinking about, it's like, I felt like there was more sci-fi movies like four or five years ago, like Oblivion, Edge of Tomorrow. I mean, none of these, all these movies were amazing, but it was just like, there was a steady stream of science fiction oriented movies. Trans I like Transcendence. I just watched that the other day. Not a great movie, but okay. And, I used to take Colby to those all the time. It was such a fun thing. We would always go see, if there was a science fiction movie, we were, we were there. 
There just hasn't been much of anything lately. When was Incredibles made? Oh, geez. Uh, I want to say like maybe uh, 10 years ago or something. We were watching, we were watching it yesterday and it's like the, the, the imagery and the rockets that they draw and everything seems as current as any sci-fi movie current. It's crazy. I can't believe how... But 10 years isn't that much time for that, I don't think. Really? I don't it's think like so. It's like it's the, it, the lines, the shape. Like it it's kind of looks like, you know, SpaceX kind of design uh-huh. in there. It's, it's like crazy how some movies, like, like um, um, Blade Runner, yeah. they're kind of timeless in a, in a science fiction sense. Um, but I don't know why I'm saying this as a counter to what you just said, but um, you just reminded me of science fiction and I was thinking, The Incredibles, wow, they really... They're really sort Did you of, see the new Incredibles, Incredibles two or whatever? No, I really want. We were we're, pre- we're prepping for that. I, but it's not ready yet. It's not available on. Uh, yeah. Amazon yet. Is it good? You want? You, you want to go see it in the movie theater, or are you just missed it? Gonna watch it at home. Yeah. That was. Um, do you take Jack to movies in the theater yet? We or don't. Not? No. You're not. He doesn't like it. It's too loud. Really? Yeah. Is he kind of sensitive to? Yeah, he doesn't like. He doesn't like. Um, he doesn't mind loud sounds as long as he initiates them. Ah. But if, but if they're if they're initiated by someone else, he doesn't like it. Yeah, interesting. That's funny. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. It's not as good as the original, but it's 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 uh, it's not bad. Oh yeah, the I, original I, was really good. I oh, was, the original was amazing. like the story was the storyline was, was great. It was tight. Everything was perfect. Like every the way that the, the whole thing was paced and oh, it was just so the, funny. The drawing was good. The only thing was the just the animation tech didn't quite capture the mouth movements the same way as it does today. So it just looked a little dated slightly in that one way, but everything else looked amazing. I, yeah, I, I never really noticed that, but I was, I would rec if, I'm sure everyone has seen Incredibles, but they haven't, they, especially if they have, I mean, it's even good for adults, but for kids, it's really great. You know, when at my, you know, another like most underrated, I think is Megamind. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, I- so funny. Funny. <laughs> it is really well done. Yeah. Will Ferrell is fantastic. Yeah, no. Megamind would definitely go down as one of the most underrated. I, I that it's one of our favorites in the an, uh, animated shows. Like Izzy and I are constantly saying lines from it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. that the two the two two of the movies that I probably quote the most are oh. with with Izzy. It's uh, Megamind. We go back and like what, what kind of quotes? Uh, like um, I don't know. Like, geez, uh, you can't you can't put me on the spot. I'm trying. No, to, no worries, no worries. I'm trying to remember, but um, I'll but think you, of something in a minute. But you also quote that one putting up the drywalls at McDonald's. That oh, movie. Office Space. Yeah, Office yeah. Space. Well, the one I use more in that is Super Troopers. Yeah, that would again go as like one of the all-time most underrated movies. The 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 the, the sequel to it is oh just okay, but the original is so funny. To Sandy, I'm like, yeah, you know, like, just, just constantly. She's like, I'm like, oh, like, I'll go to the refrigerator. I'm like, oh, do you want a piece, a piece, uh, a piece of chocolate? She's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, yeah, sure, or yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and last night, I'm like, I'm freaking out, man. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, are you freaking? I'm freaking out. You are freaking out, man. <laughs> Just uh, littering and littering and littering and yeah. smoking the reefer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just. What's that one? What's that one? It's like, um, can you get out the car, meow? Yeah. Is that's that it? it? That's, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. Can I meow? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Get out the car, meow. 
Yeah. <laughs> Just, Excuse uh, me. Are you saying meow? Okay, no. No, I'm not meow. <laughs> <laughs> smells like sex in here. <laughs> um, oh, man. Could I, it's like, uh, <laughs> is that how they do it in Arabia? How the hell would I know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's just endless. There's so many great lines of that thing. So I, I would, I just like if if anyone hasn't listened, hasn't seen Super Troopers, that's I would recommend it. it is it's funny. Well, um, any other? What do you have? I'm always, I, I'm always quoting you saying, "Put putting up the drywall at McDonald's." Yeah, I'm just putting up the drywall at the new McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and like, uh, we, you know, we were driving past the McDonald's, and they were just building a new dry- McDonald's and putting up the drywall. And Georgie was cracking up. It's so funny because yeah. when everyone, whenever, whenever, when anyone starts bragging about something that no one gives a shit about, like that's when I say that line. It's <laughs> yeah. like, give me a break. Like, nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I want to just to just circle back to one thing. Um, older movies from Pixar, right? That are like older movies from say ten years ago, twelve years ago. Could they just run them through updated systems and just re-render them? And then they would all of a sudden be completely current to 2018? Well, you know, that's what uh, George Lucas did with the Star Wars, original, the three Star Wars, four through six, right? They remember they, they redid them with much more special effects they didn't have, which also looked kind of yeah, weird. That, but that's, re, that's remaking them. I'm saying you've got this because that, the whole thing's code basically isn't it like a movie's code it's all just digital information it's 3d models so i'm just wondering can they just take that original Probably. file rerun it re-render it, and all of a sudden no. boom it's like 2018 you know uh, probably in a way probably still be pretty expensive you know oh, because yeah. you, you they'd know. have to rework it i would imagine my guess is it'd probably be pretty expensive and there wouldn't be a good return on it because nobody really cares yeah well, the, the, the people only, do, it's like digitally remastered, right? Like people care about digitally remastered music. Yeah, but those are adults. This is, I mean, Incredibles is made for kids. Well, it's made for, it's kind of family, but if, if you're not seeing it in the movie theater, kids are watching it. And so no one's going to like, oh, my seven-year-old isn't going to enjoy it because that's, the no, that's no, true. That's true. Crap. So they're yeah. like, nobody's going to not buy it because some... Uh, uh, Anim- animation geek points out that the mouth movements aren't quite as realistic. You know. Uh, okay. What I mean? Okay. Similar question, but slightly different vein. Could you take the same movie files that made Incredibles at one day and basically turn it into a completely immersive virtual reality experience where you, as the viewer, could walk around the movie as it was happening? Like, put it on like a like a hollow lens or a hollow deck or or <laughs> no or a rift. You know. Do you no. think that they'll be able to do that? I don't know, probably, probably at some point. Okay. Probably anything is possible at some point, almost. You know, if it doesn't break, it doesn't uh, violate the laws of physics. The question is, is this something anyone's really going to want to do? Like, you know, it's like that's actually something I was watching again. I was watching this Sam Altman uh, talk, and he was mentioning about like like real trends versus fake trends. Like VR is like this fake trend that everybody talks about, but nobody has VR actually really uses it very much. You know. Well, it's like ordering buying something via your amazon alexa like they're always talking about it but no one actually there's been zero purchases yeah. through the example he gave was the iphone like the original iphone came out and the analyst at first kind of dismissed it because it was just a small number they sold like a million iphones like not a big deal right but the people who use the iphones use them obsessively and were crazy about them 
And that was a real trend. Mm. Um, whereas the VR, everybody's talking about VR this and VR that, but it's like, okay, so people have some VR headsets and they got the PlayStation VR, they got a little this headset that they use, they can touch their Android, people lose it a little bit and they're just like, okay. It's it, it's not reached the level of utility that it needs to. And, and that's going to be basically, I think like a, almost like a cross between Google Glass and like Magic Leap. Like if something where you just really can't feel it or notice it, it just goes in front of your eyes. But again, it's, it's like very light. It's like a top-down th- salute. It's like a it's a top-down uh, yeah. model where you're like, okay, I don't really have a pain point, but I have this technology, and we want to find a, a problem for this technology. What the hell are you like? You know, you, you it's a, it's yeah, it's a technology looking for us a, a problem. No, I'm, but, well, it's a solution. I'll, I'll tell for a you problem. what would be cool. I mean, what would be? I mean, that isn't that what television is? Like, what? what do you mean? I mean, when television came out. It wasn't. Is it? Was it bottom up or top down? Oh, I mean, it was well, top no, down, right? Would go, no, no. It was well, oscillator. It was an oscillator. Tele- the original use of television was for things like oscillator screens and things like that. Oh, like, like it, no, no. I think they. I think you know. I watch this history of it. But the guy, the guy, it was actually a kid who kind of invented it and patented the TV, but never really got any money for it. Right. There's a History Channel thing on it. I think it was History Channel or something. And, but it was also like you know, it's just like people would go see movies every like curl serials every weekend. They pay five, they pay a nickel, and they go watch the serial, um, you know, Flash Gordons or westerns, and people would go see it. And the idea that oh wow, you could actually watch this at home, like that's really cool. Right, well, I'll give you an example. People uh, people like doing this already. It was like people could do more of it. I'll give an example of where AR will take off and change the world. If I could put on some AR spectacles right now. And they were super light and easy and just like completely see-through and clear. And then all of a sudden, Ringo Starr, Paul McCartney, John Lennon were just sitting on that sofa right there and started playing a song. And it just felt and looked like they were right there playing a song. And I was with the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Like something like that is going to change everything. That is exactly. Well, so, so that's the amazing. problem is it's like it's not, it's not going to be a discontinuous jump like it didn't exist or it did exist. Yeah, it's, and, 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 and it's right. We will. We like a, a, the changing of a season. Like we'll notice in over, 50 years. Over time, it gets better yeah. and better. Some immersive yeah. virtual reality situation. I mean, you could probably do something sort of like that now, but you'd have to have better AI and much faster processing. Well, magic Leap of the kind of trunk. That's, that's what their goal is, that kind of direction. But apparently they're not as good as they thought they were. Yeah, I don't know. I, that stuff, uh, for some reason, none of that stuff really, really uh, sparks my interest because it just like it just isn't isn't solve a problem I'm interested in. Like it's not like wow, you I like, just want to. You like the real world, but it's funny. You like the real world, but you also like sci-fi. I love science fiction. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it just I'm just I'm not saying that. I mean, that's kind of. I don't know. I'm just trying to imagine like what problem that would solve that I would like, or what would be what would be cool to do. I mean, there might be, might be something you that I you'd just list. entertainment, right? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, the Magic Leap idea was, you know, the big vision that they were selling in the first place before they released was that this is the new computing platform. There's no need for a laptop. There's no need for anything else. You just do everything in the air. Well, you, you know what technology I'm really excited about is Sandy just signed up for the NFL uh, package. I can't remember what it's called, but we get, you can watch any NFL game on. Because <laughs> like, I, I was like, oh, can we watch the Patriots Jaguars game today? You know, the, it was the AFC championship game from last year. And, you know, you know they're the rematch and uh, they're going to, you know, again, they look like a couple of the strongest teams. And uh, the Patriots are my, are my favorite team. And the problem is they never, they're never playing them here. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, they're like, 
they're consistently one of the most dominant teams. They're like the Lakers, uh, you know, of, or Celtics from you know era, the past era when they just dominated for like ten years straight. And like, I can't watch them, and I gotta watch uh, just to watch a local game. So or football something. subscription. That's your I'm idea like, of amazing awesome. technology. That's she's like, problem. she's like, do you want? To, she's like, do you want me to buy? It? She went online and she's like, all right, well, it's three hundred dollars. You want to buy it? I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> and so she just bought it wow. and set it up. So I'm like, I'm really looking forward to watching the Patriots game at 1.30 this afternoon instead of not watching I remember it. the days when when I came around to your old house and I was like, should we, you know, should we get a pizza or something? You're like, ah, we're a bit tight right now, you know. Not, not a pizza, but some, there was like some, re- some really? reason. Yeah. Some reason you were like, you know, oh man, there's a tax bill, you know. Oh, there was, dude. <laughs> I you, like you, you were like really, times were tight just before. I was yeah. retired for a long time, man. Yeah. I mean, from pretty much forever. Yeah. Until not too long ago. Until <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean it was it was I mean, I guess things started getting a few a few years ago. Four four or five years ago, things started to get better better. But there was a long time where, you know, I was just consulting and I'd have clients and Sandy'd be like, You gotta send an invoice because like we got seventy dollars in my account. Yeah. She's like, and I, she's like, where do you, she's like, where are you going? I was like, oh, I'm going to go to Baja for lunch for lunch. She, she's you, like, listen, she's like, where are you going? Right. And I'm like, I'm going to go to Baja, grab a burrito. She's like, no, you're not. She's like, we got, we have that's money. what I'm talking I'm about. like, oh shit. Like that sucked. You know? So it's like, the no one's saying, so this is $300 for the NFL package for the season. I'm like, done, do it. Do that's you notice not- the difference? Like, do you, do you notice that like you, you, you don't have to think about that stuff? It's really nice to like not have to worry about little things. I mean, it's not like, it's not like I can, you know, I mean, I could go out and do something stupid with the money and then it'd be all gone. Right. Oh, yeah. But it's like, it's not, there's that much of it, but it's, it's like, I don't have to worry about it. It's like, okay, you know, Sandy's like, well, you know, I don't worry about getting a tutor for our kids. Does it, you know, I don't have to worry about, do we want to buy an NFL package or do I, you know, it's just like, you know, if Sandy wants to order Indian food tonight and that's like 80, 90 bucks for the whole family, do it. Get some Indian food, right? Whereas, like, well, we can go out next weekend, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, I appreciate it. I mean, believe me, whenever it's just like when I live in Chicago for years and it's freezing cold, like for months and months at a time, for you know, I lived years of that. Like, I walk out and it's like sunny every day. I appreciate it every day. I'm like, oh, this is so nice. So, because I'm thinking, is it like health stasis where when I mean, my leg isn't really hurting right now. Mm-hmm. I, my leg isn't in massive pain. But if I had an accident, my leg was in massive pain. All of a sudden, my whole life would be ru- like this would be the center of my life, my leg being in massive pain. Is it kind of something like that where stops hurting and then you just, just like, you kind of forget about it? It's just that it's just a new reality that you don't. Well, I think I think the keys to being happy are you know, so I say it's not it's not having what you want; it's wanting what you have. It's appreciating what you have. Right. I think yeah. when people forget the things that they used to suck and they just take everything for granted. That's the, that's the, that's the, the path to unhappiness is, is not appreciating, not remembering, not appreciating what you have and remembering what you used to not have. You know, like I said, you know, I never get sick of Southern California weather. I never, I just think, Oh, this is so nice. And I don't just sit there and I, I actually go, Oh, that beautiful day. And this is awesome. This is so nice. <laughs> You know, like, but that's the key is you have to remind yourself how good you, you have from. it. You know, it's like, you know, I get on our couch. I'm like, oh, God, this couch is so nice. 
I hated our couch before. <laughs> like, this is so nice. And he's like, yeah, you say it every day. I'm like, I know, it's awesome, you know. <laughs> she's like, rolls her eyes. But I'm like, it makes me happy. And all you have to do is just think back and go, I used to suck. We used to like not have this, you know, but, and I was just talking to Doug about this, you know, they, they just got a new house. Are they renting a house? They were living in a, on a, like a town home or something. And he was talking about how much happier his wife, Jamie is. And I was like, yeah, you know, Sandy is, you know, she continually tells me, she's like, oh, I'm just so happy here. Oh, I'm so happy. I love this house. Cause she was like, she really, seems happier. She seems happy. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, and so, but the key is not to sit there, forget that and be like, start being, not forgetting what it was like to live in a smaller place with three kids and not have a dining room or a yard or this or that and everyone being on top of each other. And, and you have to constantly think back on that. And then that makes you really appreciate what you do have instead of going, oh, you know, there's a bigger house. I wish we had this. I wish we had that. Because there's always something more you can have. And this reality is like the having of all these things usually is not going to make you that much happier. It's just like there's a few things that are really painful that you want to eliminate. And there's a few things that would really make your life a lot easier if you could just have without a lot of financial stress. Well, you know, we've been living with another family for almost two years now. And I can tell you one thing I will never forget and I will always appreciate is moving back into our own place. Like for as long as I live, I will appreciate my own place. I warned you about it. <laughs> <laughs> I always, you know, I always thought this, you know, you're, you're, it's a bit, yeah. you're kryptonite. That's like your biggest weakness is your inability to look into the future and imagine how you're going to feel in a new set of circumstances. I always say you always have to like do it. Well, I got to move to Savannah to realize it's not the ideal place if we're actually just kind of imagining running a running simulation head. Like, yeah, well, that, that's yeah. Run yeah. the simulation. That, it's my kryptonite and also my superpower because it's like I do try lots of stuff and then it's through trying lots of stuff that I find out what works. Or you could say it's just real inefficient. Yeah, it's really inefficient. Too, potentially. <laughs> I was like, I well, I, one time I helped you avoid it because you're like, yeah, I was thinking about how, moving with my mom. I'm like, don't do it. That's going to be a horrible idea. You're like, yeah, yeah. we'd have my mom move in. It'll save us money. I'm like, nope, nope, don't do it. Georgie's going to, George, Georgie thinks it's a good idea. I'm like, Georgie's going to, your, your mom and your wife are going to be at each other's throats within a few months. You're going to be in the middle. You do not want that. So luckily you avoided that one. That's and then true. I, and I, that would have been a, a disaster. And then, um, and it's not anything to do with Georgie or mom. It's anyone's, anyone's mom. It's it's, yeah. it's a rare situation that you can move. An adult family can have your mom living there and not in, a, in the U.S. and not be uh, a stressful situation. So, this is we've we've recorded an, over an hour now, and yesterday recorded over. An I hour. a couple quick things. A couple quick things. Okay. Uh, you don't mind? No, I don't mind. But I'm okay. just I like this. The show's going to be long. That's fine. All right. That's fine. People can break it up. They yep. can multi they've got, they've got pools. So the next they've time you're washing button. dishes or mowing the lawn or watching well, mowing the lawn, driving, you know, you, you, got, you, got, you got plenty of content. Who's got a, mon a lawn to mow? Although Sandy mows our lawn. <laughs> That's, of course she does. <laughs> that that? Of course she does. <laughs> I, like, I, could just, I could just imagine you sitting on your computer watching Sandy mowing the lawn. It is. I'm not going out and doing I'm like, it. I told her, I see, when she was talking about buying a house, I was like, well, look, I'm telling you, I'm not doing any yard work because I grew up doing all yard work every weekend, doing mowing lawns up and down the neighborhood. I am over it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to downgrade my life. And having to deal with yard work and, and, and stuff, it would be a downgrade. And people, kind of people say, oh, you're getting a house, but you're going to fix stuff. I'm like, no, I'm not fixing shit. <laughs> not fixing anything. I'm not mowing anything. Saying as I, I told him, like, look, feel free to hire whoever you want to hire. Do it yourself. It's up to you. I'm not doing it. 
<laughs> not doing it. And she's like, great. So she can do what she wants to do. She enjoys. She likes it. She yeah. likes doing a little bit. I mean, it's like we have a giant yard, so she'd get up mowing. She yeah. likes gardening. and it's, it's cute. But it's funny. So it's funny. We had a, mowing, a lawnmower that was in the garage right in the first week. I'm like, did that come with a house? <laughs> she's like, no, it didn't come with a house. I bought it. I'm like, oh, you did? <laughs> She's like, give me a break. I'm like, oh, I thought maybe like the, the developers bought it and they kept it here to keep the long mode, you know? And she's like, just laughing. We're like, no, I bought it at Lowe's or wherever she got it. And so it's funny when she, the first couple of weeks we we bought the house and we had yet to move in. There was a, we were, we didn't move in for the, for a while because we were finishing up the school year and other things. Yeah. And so Sandy would come over here and mow the lawn and meet with contractors who are coming in to do the last bits of things. And, um, and our next door neighbor, the one who lives in the aircraft carrier house, yeah, came in and was like, he's like, sees your own lawn. She's he's like, so you mow your own, you mow your own lawn? She's like, uh, yeah. He's like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, yeah. I think our I think our neighbor thinks I'm uh, uh what'd you say, uh, quirky. Because <laughs> I mow her lawn. <laughs> You know, and there was something else that he was doing. He's so like, you, so you, you wipe your own ass. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like in, the, in, in California, everybody has gardening service. Nobody does that, especially if you live in a nicer home. Like people don't. And so he just thought that was the weirdest thing. But you know, That's Sandy's hilarious. Sandy's a Midwestern girl. Like she's she just do it yourself. Like yep. she's not going to pay someone. So I thought that was, you know, she's like, yeah, I think some. <laughs> quirky um so what else did you want to talk about oh um so um yeah you're looking looking anxious no no i'm not sit back you're like looking at all right looking at watches you're looking at you're like oh like just all right just relax settle in it'll all be it'll be all it'll all be over soon so i'm gonna get an update on operation superhero oh okay so unfortunately i developed a little bit of tendonitis in my elbow and i've been kind of working around it and finally i decided to take it was which is which is sucked because i was getting stronger and stronger i, I hit like a near-term um peak you know i i was doing an overhead press standing press of 115 pounds for six i was able to do like 100 bench press 195 for six which are not huge numbers but they were much higher than when i started and and, and getting closer to what my all-time max my all-time max was a lot higher but it's making a lot of progress and so, but then I was like, you know, I got to take, I, I feel like I'm just constantly aggravating it. So I'm going to take a week off. I'm not going to do anything. Because you can, a lot of times when you lift weights, you can take a week off. It's sort of like a deload week. Let your body recover. You do it every every so often. And so I was like, okay, take a week off. I won't lose much in a week. Um, but I just noticed it still hasn't completely gone away. So mm. I'm trying to debate, like, my problem is, my pattern is, I work out hard and I get hurt and then I'm out and then I revert back. So I got to not let that happen. So I have to be smart, but I don't want to like fall off the wagon and then just be back where I'm just not working out. Why, why just, you know, why not do, do something other than set yourself these really big goals? Like work out hard, but not so hard that you hurt yourself. Well, you know, and I mean, I mean, it's just, I'm working out, I'm just lifting weights. You know, I don't know. I, I, I'm not even sure exactly how I hurt him, hurt my elbow. I don't remember doing anything. I suppose it, it could even just be repetitive stress injury through using the computer or something. You know, it's it's some kind of it's, it's not, like it's my it's elbow. In your elbow, it's, like, oh. it's kind of 
Yeah. So I think it's mostly better. I'm going to give it a shot. I said, you know what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll get back on it this week, kind of see how it goes. But anyway, I'm just frustrated because it's like, damn it, you know, it's like there's no, it's never a clear shot. You were just getting, you were just getting there. Yeah, but I can't, I can't, if I follow for two weeks, I feel like that could be like the beginning again. I'm already feeling a little like a week. It feels like, wow. I, it just feels like I'm not doing anything. I'm like, oh, like you need the this. momentum. You need the chain. I do. You don't want to break the chain. And I feel really like a slob and I just sit around. I don't go to the gym and I just like, just work. And then I just, oh, let's have dinner now. Like, you know, I don't actually go do anything. You just stay well, in the house. What about happened to the walking? Well, I, yeah. It doesn't I was, stop I you I walking. I, yeah, but it's, I, it's hard. To, well, I did do some walking. Yeah. I, but I, I, but I wasn't walking in the gym. It was hard for me to get motivated. I'm, I'm very much binary. Like I'm all in or I'm out. Like I can't, I'm not good at just sort of third gear. I'm either first gear or fifth gear. Can't you separate the two things and be all in on walking and just no. not all in on the other thing? No, because it's just, <laughs> because the results are mediocrity and mediocrity doesn't interest me. So I'd you'd rather, rather just, if, you, if you're going to get fat and put on weight, you really want to well, do I it. Well, mean, I would, wouldn't let that happen, but it's, it's, it's hard for me to kind of, I can't get excited about things that aren't exciting, that are just so just bullshit. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do a little bit of this, a little of that. It's just like, why even bother? It's so lame. You know, so I have to like, I have to have big goals to get motivated. Um, so a, a, a Nugget member sent me this, a link to this book, and I bought this book, and it's really interesting, um, called Master the Day. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the author, name of the author right now. But basically what the book is talking about is he's saying, look, saying no, but people, people kind of, he's, he's kind of a life coach. And, mm-hmm. and he's saying a lot of people talk to him and they say, I woke up one day, I like my whole, you know, I'm a different person in the mirror. I've like, everything's going on. And it just happened. And he's like, no, it, it doesn't just happen. Like it's thousands of tiny steps that mm-hmm. happens over years. So the, I'm, I'm, I've got a point to this, and it does, it does relate to what we're talking about. So basically, the the kind of advice in the book is talking about just changing one habit, how one habit, one tiny habit every day. For example, maybe you used to get up in the morning, you'd have a coffee and you'd have a croissant. Okay, so don't have the croissant, you know? And he's like, now, in the same way that, um, what's it's called compound interest, in the same way compound interest works, mm-hmm. You just save a hundred bucks a month and then mm. over 15 years, that mm-hmm. becomes an awful lot. He's like, tiny habits have compound interest. So while, you know, that, that croissant may add up to, you know, 3,500 calories over maybe a week or two weeks, and you won't really notice the difference over a month. But if you do that for a hundred days, there'll be, there'll be weight loss, you know, there'll yeah. be, there'll be weight loss. And um, so the reason why I'm saying this is because that tiny habit, just cutting out that croissant, is something to be excited about. Because if you think about it in the context of 100 days, it's something huge. So like a walk is a tiny thing, but it's actually kind of something huge. Yeah, but if you If you multiply it by 100. In, in, in a way, right? I mean, obviously, I would self-regulate, right? I would, if, if, let's say that I, I got injured to the point, you know, my elbow where I couldn't lift for six months. Let's right. say it was that bad. Yeah. I would still, I would go back and start going to the gym, but it'd be, I, it would be sort of like, all right, I'm just doing this three or four. I would do it, but it'd be hard to get super excited about it. And I wouldn't have, I'd probably slowly put on weight and slowly lose muscle and I'd get back to where I was. You know, it, it's like, I can't get excited about, you know, being in mediocre physical condition. It's not exciting. It's like, I have to, I have to like, I have to, it's just how my brain works. It's like, I have to have, yeah. 
the the audacious goal. You know, it's like, oh, just do this, and you and you won't be fat. Like, okay, like that's that's motivating. <laughs> like that's inspiring. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, I will do stuff, but it just it's, I don't know. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, anyway, so we'll give an update on that, but I'm, you know, as it goes along, but I'm gonna get back into it today because I want to rescue. I don't want to like fall off. I fear. You know what? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, there's a part of me, could I should take another week or two off? But if I take another couple weeks, I take three weeks off, I will lose a lot of strength and I will lose a ton of momentum. And I'll probably put on, you know, I could probably keep from putting on weight by just walking and keeping my diet in check. That that really doesn't have much to do with weightlifting. But um, but then I could just be completely off the wagon. It's really hard to get started once you completely fall off. It's like, I feel like a week is sort of like the maximum <laughs> that I can take off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I could re-aggravate my elbow, in which case... I'm going to have to take time off later, but I'm just trying to figure out. I think I'll just test it on Monday, see. But, so here's another thing. So I'm hiring, next topic. So there's no, there's no segue. Next this topic, is, no segue. Be, I'm, I'm just going straight in. <laughs> um, so I am uh, hiring a, in the process of hiring a front-end developer. So nice. I'm, I'm going to do Upwork again. But I think this time what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and find someone who's in the U.S., um, mm-hmm. I, just, I think it's really for front end developer. I need someone who's kind of has really good design chops, mm. attention to detail, someone who I can just talk with and talk through about how the feature should look and work and they can just get it. Like I don't have to draw the screens for them and they just kind of have some sense of it and go, oh, yeah, like, you know, we've got a lesson in the academy that's about outsourcing and basically one of the, it's a really good lesson. And one of the things that he spends a lot of time harping on is don't think of a front-end person as a designer. Like they, those two skills very rarely meet. He's like, if you can find that on Upwork, and he's, he's actually talking about Upwork, he's like, that's that's a one in a thousand. Mm-hmm. But like, it's the functions should probably be separated. Yeah, I'll, I'll see. I mean, it, you know, see, I already have kind of a design. You just have mm. to go and go along with the design sense. So, so you you just mean you don't want someone to go ahead and design. You want someone who just doesn't completely suck at doing UI. You want right. someone who's got basic design ethic. Who understands there needs to be padding and margin and yeah. like can follow the basic design spec. Yeah. So, like my developer who's has no front end design sense at all. Oh, he's, okay. He's like yeah. the guy who shows up and wears like plaid pants and a striped shirt, and you're like, dude. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> right. you know, he, he, his, his mom or wife would have to sit there and dress him. Not like yeah, yeah. So like he would go out and like, there'd be like a checkbox list and there would be no padding between like the, the, the text and the checkbox, like literally none. Yeah. You're like, are you kidding me? But that, that's like standard. Like everything is like that. And I'm just like, God damn it, dude. Yeah, you know? All right. And it's, it's, and it's just that that's not what he does. He doesn't yeah. want to do that. He, that he's never professed to do that, you know? And so it's just, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, asking a front end a designer to, to do your database schema. They're like, I don't want, I don't really know this. I don't want this. And they, and they do a bunch of, and, and oh, nothing is normalized and you're mad about it. Like, okay, like you can't get mad at the designer when they say they don't understand database stuff mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I was just trying to like kind of, get through it and say, okay, just do this, this, and this, and I'll go fix the designs. But I've decided it's just too exhausting because all the back and forth, because like he'll do stuff because I don't want to, I don't have time to like just design everything out. How are you going to, how are you going to 
you know, account for quality control when you're looking through these Upwork profiles? Like, how are you going to... I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to have a conversation with them and then just kind of maybe give them a little mini coding test. And then I might have start them on a mini project just, and just that's, that's just, and just see how it works. You know, like a couple day project and then go, okay, let's just, let's just do a two day project, you know, and, and, and go from there. And if it's like their code looks like crap or the design is just, they're, they're not noticing all the things that I notice. Like, you know, if I, if I have to say things to them that it's like, should be obvious to them. Like if you were designing, I wouldn't have to say that to you. If I go, okay, you'd be like, oh yeah, Jason obviously wants this and he's obviously going to do this and he's obviously not going to do that because I knew that things would be stupid. Like I would never, I wouldn't even have to say anything. You'd be like, it's ob- it's just goes without saying, right? Yeah. You need someone who has at least enough sense of what a modern, clean UI uh, looks like and how it operates in, in what are general. How are you going to choose who to, who to test? Um, well, I found a bunch of people. I surprised, you know, I didn't even know I had the U.S. filter on, U.S. only filter on. And I was like, everybody was in the U.S. because I usually would bother and you'd get a lot of people from, you know, Eastern Europe and India and wherever. And But there's a bunch of people in the U.S. who were actually 20, 20 to 30 bucks an hour. And they're living in places like Alabama or something like that. Right? Yeah. Smaller places. A lot of cases, Texas, uh, Georgia, Oregon, somewhere out and probably no, middle of nowhere. And I think a lot of them though are just kickstarting their profile. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so they're kind of like, maybe want to get the work, trying to get some work. So I, I thought it's a lot of people who just came out of coding boot camps. Mm. And I'm a little curious if that would be a complete waste of time or not, you know, mm. cause I've, it's worth a hundred bucks. You know, it might be worth a test, you know, learning, say, could I invest a little bit of money and just seeing, because we did hire, so there's one company I advised, DataVist, we hired a guy uh, who I found on Upwork, who was like 20 bucks an hour, straight out of um, undergrad, had had taken a course and taken some, had taken a, a majored in computer science and had done some, some projects in um, React Native, and he's done an amazing job, mm. just self-starter, organized, just, you know, so I'm just like, yeah, I just need to know one of those. You know, he's easy to talk to. He's actually, he's in California. What does he do for you? He's just building an entire app. He's just, I mean, we had him with the designs, but he's building the uh, a, a mobile app and it's runs on Android and iPhone. Using oh, nice. And it's, Could he do the design for you? Well, he's full-time on DataVest. Oh, he's already full-time. Okay. But I, I need, uh, so I need, I need someone like him. Oh, he's full time on another project. Yeah, you're I hired advising him for, for DataVest. You're advising for this other project. Got yeah, it. so yeah. I went and found, wrote the, the wrote the job post, and you know, he was actually the one of two people I talked. He was like the first one. I'm like, yep, um, give this guy a shot. I just, you know, I just had feeling. a good, I had a, had a pretty good sense about him. You know, it wasn't like he it wasn't like he went to MIT. It was something he went to Susan Pacific, which is just kind of a middle tier kind of school you, and he wasn't you know he didn't have this huge resume huge portfolio but i just had a sense of talking to him the way he written i'm like he looks like he probably is has adequate skills in fact i talked i had guy interview him because guy knows react really well and i said well what do you think he's like well he doesn't have a real deep understanding of of the underpinnings of react and how it works but he's competent and i said that's all i need you know would you consider bringing in someone at like 40 bucks and then work half the time and maybe do three quarters the amount of work. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm not really sure that's like, true though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get depends. I mean, I, I, I but don't, it's true with you. It's true with me. It, it, there are people who 
right. You pay them, they're one man wrecking crews and get a lot done. But there are a lot of people who they just good at charging more money. Mm. I mean, I, I, I don't, I, there is a correlation between price and productivity and quality, but there are a lot of people who charge a lot of money and they're just, they've gotten, they've learned how to build a product profile up and they keep raising the prices and they talk a good game and they, you know, they do, they do all the things that it takes to do it. So they game the system. They're really good at it. I mean, they're just good at, you know, and I'm not saying they're not worth being paid more, but they're people who are probably worth 60 bucks an hour charging a hundred, 130 bucks an hour. And they're probably people who are worth 60 bucks an hour who are charging 20 bucks an hour. <laughs> you know, they're just, they ha have a profile. They have, they don't have a, they, they don't have a portfolio of stuff that they can show. They just haven't done a good day or they're early in their, in their, in their career cycle as a freelancer. They just haven't built up enough, Mm. Um, uh, they haven't had enough uh, past experience that anyone's going to give them a chance. <laughs> so you come in and say, all right, well, I'll give you, you know, and they, they give a chance. And so they get, you know, the more money they charge and get higher ratings and stuff, the more they can charge the next project. I'm interested to see how it goes, you know? Yeah. I mean, we've, we had incredible success at Pivot. We have like six people who, but these people are all foreign, um, but they're at the front end of, and they're full stack people and they're really good. Um, we pay them like, they're like 12 bucks an hour. What's Pivot? Pivot's one of the companies I, I advise. Yeah, I've been advising for years. They're cool. they um they're like an e-commerce solutions company, uh, sort of B two B. They do they're doing great. You your fingers in a lot of pies. I do. Yeah, I do. I just try and keep the pies to keep it limited. That's why I'm. I think that's another title for this show: the Pie Man. I <laughs> <laughs> right, leave the titling to me, please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I when I saw your group names like the beta caps and the mercury seals I'm like mm. you should be you should be doing the name well one thing one thing we do have to talk about at some time is how much you hate the name nugget well yeah well that yesterday off 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 what do we call it off, not while well, we weren't recording yeah I would say off camera we don't have, don't have to rehash it now but just but I'll just say I, I I suggested calling it launch academy you know, because you have the spaceship and you're launching companies. It seems like that's the obvious name for this whole thing. Unfortunately, we that do doesn't actually things. matter. There, there, there is someone. It's it's kind of branded, and there 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 is a, a place called the Launch Academy. I think it's in Chicago. It's but it's just one. They're just one location. I mean, I, that wouldn't stop me from yeah. from calling it that. I think that's a. But great the thing name. is, I just don't think the Launch Academy is very branded. But what I was thinking was why um, very branded. That's why. What's well, I mean. I don't know. I mean, with me, when I, when I, for me, for my personality, the kind of person that I am, I want a, a, a brand name that has some quirk, you know, some, some purple cow factor to it rather than just being, you know, completely vanilla. So Launch Academy is just completely vanilla. That's the problem with it. That's what I don't like about it. I'm not saying I don't like it a hundred percent, but I don't like that. It's so vanilla, kind of like Captain America, you know, that's my favorite superhero. I know exactly, <laughs> exactly. Captain America is like just super vanilla, you know. Um, but there's, you know, I, I, I would like other superheroes better than him, you know. But well, he, he and my Iron Man are my two favorites. They're kind of yeah. completely different types, but I like them. Um, yeah, I, you know, I didn't think I, Nugget just the Nugget to me just sounds. It just. It just sounds goofy and it has no relevance to anything. Well, like, it just does. Like, it's it just, has relevance to the, you know, ideas. But like, that's, you're not, that's not really what you're doing. Well, that's not what we're doing anymore. But, um, you know, I was thinking like you have um, SpaceX, Y Combinator. So you could have something with a Z in it. Mm -hmm. You know, that would be interesting. 
Or it could be like X launch. I was thinking about like using X, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. launch X or X launch. Mm-hmm. Something else I was thinking about. The other thing I really don't like about Launch Academy is it's really long. Like I, would, I wouldn't mind if it was called launch and then it was the Launch Academy so that the domain was something like launch, you know, launch.io or something, you know. I personally don't think that's an issue at all, but, you know. Yeah. I, I, courses I guess, for courses. Yeah, so... Um, Anyway, at least we got that on on record. On record that Jason <laughs> hates hates <laughs> hates the name Nugget. He did. <laughs> I you know um, so you know it's funny. So I've been actually getting back into coding a little bit, which nice. I haven't really done much of. Which has been I was thinking about the other day. I'm like, you know, it's really depressing when I realize that I'm not coding. Yeah, you you want to be coding. I love coding. Well, I think if you was a coder. Yeah, but you know, I haven't really done a whole lot of coding in a while. Really. I mean, not I haven't done a substantial amount of coding in years. But what about the whole of uh, Math Academy? I've, you know, I I I so Sivalod, my director, he's been doing the bulk of the coding. But what about like year. the whole and the year thi- before that, I didn't really do much coding on it. it but what about the like w- w- the stuff that renders the beautiful graphics and all that kind I of stuff? I did that, but that was like I did do that, but that stuff was like two years ago. You know, oh, a lot of wow. stuff has just been around a while. I just haven't done that much. Wow. And I'm not saying I haven't done a little bit here and there, but I haven't like sat down for like eight hours and just, you know, for days and just cranked coded. It's like, oh, okay, I fixed a little thing here. And, you know, and I was just having a hard time getting into it. And then I just found the key, which was electronica music. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's like, I oh, need, oh, a, oh, you need, the, you need, you need EDM in the background. I need it. It helps me focus. If I listen okay. to other kinds of, if I don't listen to music, I get I get bored, distracted, yeah. and I start yeah. checking email and reading like hacker news or doing other dumb things. And then, um, of course, if the music is too, there's people talking stuff. I can't think. And and so I I, I subscribe to this streaming service of electronica channels. It's called, um, geez, I don't even know what it's called. I can't remember. But I was listening. It's just it's okay. You know, it's like, you know, they have like 50, like say 50 channels be like chill out, lounge, electronica, this or deep space or whatever. Are you, you on know. Spotify? No. Oh, I man. It. You should, you should uh, put in, um, plug in Spotify and then check out my coding session playlist. It is the best electronic music to code to. And I've been curating this thing for years. It's so good. It's like an hour's worth of the best coding music. So, so my favorite is... I like is the Tron Legacy soundtrack. Oh, nice! That yeah. is awesome. That that was uh, done by um, oh god, who are those guys? I'm blanking on them. Um, oh, Daft Punk. D- Daft Punk. Yeah, they're so they're amazing. And yeah. then uh, the soundtrack for Oblivion. See, I find like the the music to cut. It's it's really specific. Like like you say, you it needs to not have lyrics that are really interesting. I don't you, like you don't lyrics. want to think I, about I can't, it. I can't have lyrics. But I, I don't mind if it's like a girl singing like just a really nice like long melody. You know, it's not maybe something it's not something where it's they're like telling a story or something. It's just maybe something that's really repeated and it's almost like an instrument, the the voice. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, um Yep. So I don't know but so I funny I was listening to the service and then I said, All right, I wanna listen to stuff I really like. So I, I just went on YouTube and listened to the Tron Legacy soundtrack yeah. or Oblivion or Interstellar or whatever. Oh that's soundtrack. Cool, yeah. Those are really good. Um, but I noticed that it was like, it was like a, definitely a, a force multiplier 
on my productivity. Like I have a sudden I could sit down and code for hours. It's so weird how. Have you ever tried coding to something like really, like that really moves your soul, like Mozart's Requiem? Like where the music is just like, Da, 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 da. like and it's just like really forced. i probably have but i don't i don't remember you know <laughs> if i'm if i'm on a really hardcore session that's the kind of stuff you know, you listen listen to classical, huh? yeah. something really really powerful like mozart's requiem yeah it's huh. it, it's like you can yeah you, it's, well you know i listen to like you know like <laughs> you know it's funny that one movie that gets panned but i actually liked the plot holes and all was dawn of justice batman versus Superman. oh right okay yeah and the soundtrack by Hans Zimmer is just amazing. And it has like that kind powerful. of music. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, that, that kind of music, that music forces code out of you. Like you, like you feel like you're creating this <laughs> masterpiece. You Squeezing know? it out of you. Right? <laughs> it's like this masterpiece that's going to take over the world. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. Um, all right, well, I guess we're probably at the three-hour mark at this point. I mean, it's just, it's too long all for right. sure. Well, we'll, we'll let, why, don't we, uh, why don't we cut it here? We should probably get back to work on the on the site. So we got... Maybe 45, maybe an hour. All right. Put in before it's lunchtime. Yep. All right. That's a wrap. We're out.